0: Begin transmission. Hello, everybody. It is Chris joined by Ben for Outer Room Transmission number one zero four. This episode, I'm going to give my first impressions for Star Wars Jedi Survivor, the latest in the Star Wars Jedi series, the sequel to Jedi Fallen Order. And we're finally going to talk about The Mandalorian this week. We're going to talk about the final three episodes that I didn't get a chance to talk about because I was in Europe at a little thing called Star Wars Celebration, and we're going to talk about this season as a whole. So those are two major topics that easily, easily could be an entire episode in its own right. And, uh, well, if you're watching live, we've gone live about two hours past our usual time uh, because life gets busy, but, hey, I had to get the episode out at some point. So there you go. Maybe we'll get some more West Coasters on tonight usually we go live every friday at nine o'clock eastern which we will be doing from here on out for the foreseeable future unless a crazy emergency arises, like last week when my brake line in my car went and completely busted and i had to deal with that obviously because transportation's a little bit important where i live around here uh, how's it going ben good good i mean it's been a it's been a real busy week over
1: here um been a it's been a pretty good week though overall lost a lost a few more pounds on the diet so that's exciting and then just uh you know just getting into the uh we're kind of into the dark ages of star wars streaming now until basically may the 4th when visions comes out so well, at least we'll be getting that coming up and then we'll be in the long wait for ahsoka so you know at least we have jedi survivor in the meantime for all of those empty spaces and yeah it should be uh it should be an
0: Nice summer of Star Wars overall. Oh, yeah. There's going to be Visions. Volume 2 is coming out next week. So we have a lot more to to really get forward. Uh, thinking about High Republic Adventures or Young Jedi Adventures uh, for all the youngs out there. And then it's going to be nice to have a couple months of a break. I'll be honest. It was since Bad Batch, which was what? In January? Yeah.
1: Oh, well, I saw... So I saw a thing. So we haven't had... So this was our first week off of Star Wars streaming or movie or any any type of, like, video content since the start of the new year. Oh, my gosh. And it's April. so <laughs> so So it's a good break, I think, for everybody because it felt like it did feel like we were getting to a point where it was almost like marathoning content. And then, you know, for content creators like ourselves, it's like, oh, my gosh, what do we do? What do we cover? What do we do? This, this, that, and the other thing. And then now it feels like everybody's like, now we can like chill for a little bit.
0: Yeah, seriously. I mean, it's nice and all, but when you're like us and somebody goes away for a couple weeks and you come back, it's like, well, now we're behind about three or four weeks worth of content and then we're going to cram it into one week to stay relevant, or at least we think we stay yep. relevant. So <laughs> it's, uh, <laughs> it's one of the situations that we have tonight where it's like, oh my gosh, all this stuff could easily be one, one episode. And I wish it was just one episode to talk, but we only have so much time here. And, uh, you know, it's it's the East Coast time. So it's 11 p.m. here. It's like, oh, my gosh, we're usually getting done the podcast at this hour. But we're going to soldier on through. Unfortunately, Milton uh, couldn't make it um, for this late night, night session of out-of-ram transmission. But uh, maybe things will get crazy. You never knows. You never know as the time ticks past midnight. Uh, uh, me and Ben here might get a little crazy. We'll, we'll see what happens. Yeah. <laughs> hey, there Oops. we go. Oh man, so uh, why, don't, why don't we lead off, lead off with the thing that we haven't talked about in a long time. That's the Mandalorian Season 3. So I want to talk about each episode that I didn't, that we didn't review. Uh, starting with Episode 6, um, what were your thoughts on the Jack Black episode with Plazir 5 or whatever it's called? Just give me your quick rundown of that one.
1: Ooh, I thought that episode was not good. Not good by any stretch. Like there were some good aspects to it, though. Like I enjoyed, um, I enjoyed some of the Mandalorian stuff at the end. The final five minutes was good with the Mandos. Um, and then I enjoyed, I enjoy, I did enjoy, even though it was a side mission. I did, I really didn't enjoy kind of like the buddy cop vibe of Bo and Din kind of being like the cop, cops. Like I thought that was kind of like a fun, a fun trope they were they were going after. And then of course like seeing the battle droids were pretty cool. Um the cameos wasn't a fan of Lizzo or Jack Black. Um I wasn't a fan of their characters whatsoever. I thought they felt very out of place in Star Wars. Christopher Lloyd, I felt he was convincing as like a former crazy separatist supporter. I thought he did a pretty good job of that. But overall, that episode I just thought wasn't wasn't great because it had a trend like several of these other episodes of the season have where it's basically like okay let's say there's 40 minutes 35 minutes of it is whatever and then the final 5 minutes is actual mandalorian related stuff and then that's basically what this episode was to me in my opinion because like at the beginning when bo and mando are basically trapped inside that car like in any other circumstances other than plot convenience, they would have just blasted their way out of that car and went over and just went straight to Axe Wolves at the beginning of the episode and skipped everything. Like, So, that was... Yeah, those are kind of my overall thoughts of the episode, and then we can get into any other um, details that you would like to discuss.
0: Yeah, I mean, that was definitely an episode where I was like, I, I, I like how The Mandalorian plays around with different thematic feels of genres like we have oh a pirate episode or oh we have this episode where it's literally like a cop procedural oh let's identify the killer of the droids or whatever and it's like that was that was interesting it was seeing seeing the um effects of the transition from the empire to the republic again in a different different lens seeing a sort of utopian star wars which was kind of cool like okay what happens if there is absolute like freedom by the people. They can give all the medial tasks to the droids, and then they could just relax in luxury and just have a good old time. Like this is utopia. Um, so I like seeing that aspect of things. But yeah, I, f- I did feel like maybe at this point in the season, my initial thought was, "Why is this here right now?" I feel like there needs to be more. Um, impactful storytelling and there was like that last five minutes was pretty infa- impactful but it was also very strange because it was a technicality that <laughs> the dark saber i feel like well, what like all this for that like that simple logic like here, okay
1: here, here's the funniest thing you so you bring that up i remember specifically clear back in week two or whatever Whenever it was when Mando got jumped by that spider creature monster in the cave, and and they go through that whole thing, I remember you know um everyone on YouTube anyways probably knows John Campia. I remember someone super chatted in him a question and was like, hey John, what do you think about the idea? You know, do you think they're going to use a technicality where Bo can get the dark saber back? because you know Mando got defeated by this creature and she defeated the creature so she gets it and i remember John waved it off and he said like you know that is such like bland dumb story and he went on like one of his classic John Campia dumb rants like saying how dumb of an idea that was and then that turns out to be the idea and it's like oh man like they literally just went to the most like technical possible little thing to get him the, to get her the dark saber back yeah. and it's just like If anything, why not just have them scrap and roll around just like her and X Woves did? They didn't fight to the death or anything. Like, why not just do that with Din? Like, I don't know.
0: Yeah, it was it was definitely a little strange to be sure. Um, Yeah, I did not write notes on this one because I currently was in London at the time, and it was funny because I had to watch the episode twice. Like, I I was like, I gotta watch the episode. I gotta watch the episode. I watched it on my freaking tablet Mm. in in the hotel room. And I was basically on 30 hours without sleep at that point. So I'm sitting there trying to stay awake watching this episode. But it was like I was watching it through a haze of sleep deprivation at the same time. But I was like, yeah, there's something about this just doesn't feel right. I mean, I liked seeing the B1 battle droids, I liked seeing, or I liked hearing rather. Um, good old uh, Matthew Wood, who uh, I will yep. also mention later on in tonight's episode, pertaining to the video game I'm currently playing. Um, but yeah, it was it was something, but it was like a very big world building episode. Um, oh, yeah. It well, I was shocked to see J- that Jack Black and Lizzo like didn't get spoiled, like leaked. Like I was yeah. very surprised. I Didn't see any reports of that in the lead up to this episode. Here's so.
1: Okay, so here's a funny story about that. I was listening, I was listening to uh, Bespin Bulletin. I a lot of Star Wars fans, I'm sure, will know him because he's a big Star Wars reporter. And he was talking on his podcast a few weeks ago. He said he had a scoop months and months and months ago that he heard from one of his sources that Lizzo could be on the show. Huh. And he said he, he laughed his source off and said, dude, you're just trying to play a joke on me. So I post a dumb scoop on my on my website. And he said he laughed the source off and didn't believe him. And then he said he couldn't believe it. His jaw hit the floor when he was watching the episode and was like, Oh my gosh, the guy was telling me the truth. <laughs> it's like Yeah. Well, yeah, one thing I do want to point out about this episode though, um, I thought that was really odd. And I'm not sure in, in Canon, Chris, you may be able to like correct me, like maybe from comics or something. Um, they may have, might have had this like little minor detail. I thought it was like a weird detail, but Battle dro- like the droids having IDs, like actual like IDs like when 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 um when Din and bo oh, yeah. like, killed the one droid, yeah. they they grabbed the ID and I'm like droids have IDs? Like
0: <laughs> Well, I guess it's like any electronic or something. You have a serial number to yeah. keep track of it, yeah. I guess or something like that. Um, but I mean, what this episode did for the droids was something really cool because it it really turned the droids into sentient creatures, you know, in, introducing sentience to droids. And hey, they are their own person; they're just not complete slaves all the time. So it was neat, like in the in that droid cantina, and having like the reverse of the cantina from from A New Hope, with like even the one droid, like ah, we don't usually see your kind here, or something like that. It was like. And, and and tied back, it tied back to Kiel with the knots and how Din knows how those people should be respected, and he's the one I could talk. Whereas Bo-Katan is just like, "Give me information now!" And nobody even cares. They're just like, "Yeah, whatever." It's another stupid human. Whatever.
1: Yep, I really enjoyed that. I I really liked. That was a nice callback to Queel just because it you know, it like it's kind of like a little payoff for his character, like having a more of like a kind of a little impact later down, down the line in the story. So I thought that was a pretty cool little connection.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, uh, you know, the character of uh, the security officer, I thought, okay, I-, I was one of those crazy theorists, speculators like, oh, we're going to get this guy to play, the guy from Back to the Future, we're going to get this guy to... Christopher Lloyd. Christopher Lloyd is going to be playing George Sabath or some big high echelon imperial or something. Nah, yeah, he's just hes just a guy, a security officer that has a bit of a power trip, basically. It's like, yeah, I can hit this red button. I always thought that was really strange. It was like, oh, I got this uh-huh. big old red button right here on the desk that I could just hit this button, and next thing you know, all hell breaks loose.
1: Well, well, well like, what if you would slip, like, <laughs> your, co- your coffee mug? What if your coffee, <laughs> oh, like, what gosh. if he walks in tired one morning? I don't know, his coffee slips out of his hand. Boom, the whole city's done. Like, like, I don't know, why not have a case around it or something just so it's like at least a little protected? I don't know. I thought that was a really precarious design too, because it was like, man, that is who that is a I, I would be I'd be scared working around that.
0: Yeah, and but I just didn't think they like we understood the concept a hundred percent correct. At least I didn't like what was the guy's motivation to even do this? Like, if you're living in a utopia where everything is great, you don't have to do barely any work. It's like, why would you want to sabotage that? Like, oh, I, I, the separate. And then he starts spouting off. It was a cool reference, but he, he was talking about the Separatists, like, seemingly out of nowhere. Like, oh, I love the Separatists. Oh, Count Dooku was a great leader. It's like, oh, that's cool. That we got a Count Dooku name drop in, like, especially live action. But at the time, I was like, Wait, did, am, am I missing something here? <laughs> Well, see, that's how, I guess I took
1: it as, I don't know, yeah, that was confusing. I guess I took it as, like, he was bringing up the Separatists because, like, maybe the connection to the Battle Lords like like or having something, it, I guess, more but... of it.
0: I don't know. Oh, man. Yeah, I mean, so, so we get to the end, we have Bo-Katan with the Darksaber, and, that was a cool little action sequence. I got to admit, I did like the, the, the axe roves, especially seeing him. I was not expecting to see him at all again. Like, it's like, oh, he's got a nice one or two episodes in season two. But it's like, okay, they, they've elevated his position. He is now a lot more. Uh, he's, he's obviously a leader at this point. So I thought that was pretty interesting about how they are going about it with this with this government of this placeer five or whatever it is, where they are an ex-imperial place. So the Republic, as we know, is demilitarizing everywhere. And they cannot literally have any kind of armed forces, especially since they were empire to begin with. So it's like, okay, we rely on these mercenaries to essentially take care of our business if we need anything done. And then we need you guys, specifically bo and Din, to solve this issue, and then you prove yourselves, I guess, to us or something. So I thought that the politics of it were kind of cool, because again, it like flushes out, okay, the New Republic is still fledgling in government, and they're still having to do these different kind of decisions that depend on the military might and all that.
1: Oh, yeah. I thought that was, I thought the entire like ending sequence I thought was really cool. Like you said, I wasn't really expecting to see Axe Woes. So, um, that was nice getting him in there. And then, um, you know, like you said, the overall like the politics kind of getting more of the, uh, like the state of things. I really do think a lot of the issues like we've had with this season, my like running. Like bullet point idea, I feel like, personally, they folded in Rangers of the New Republic into this season to try to, oh, like, yeah. basically, you know, basically hit the checkboxes, and I feel like this this feels like it would have been, like, Rangers of the New Republic mission for, like, Carson Teva going to this city doing this mm-hmm. stuff. Like so, so I think, I honestly think that's where a lot of this stuff comes from even in this episode. And then, so it is cool getting to see some of, like, the politics come, some of the state... Of things and like you said you're getting to see how the republic's demilitarizing things um and then of course you know we get the like we get the little scuffle between axe and Bo, uh you know that was that was a that was a cool little fight i think i saw some people kind of dogging on it but i didn't mind it because it's like i didn't expect Bo to fight her former crewmate to the death or something you know
0: like mm-hmm. i thought it was fine yeah yeah so, I mean, out of a score for this episode, I would probably give it, like, maybe a 6 out of 10. Like, it wasn't something that knocked my socks off. I wasn't wasn't happy with the way they went ahead and resolved, like, the whole thing of the Darksaber. It's like, first of all, there's been no mention of the Darksaber or anything. Like, why is this important? Why is this something that should be absolutely at the top of the list for... the the, the order of business and trying to get this thing and it's just like i don't know i think they kind of fumbled the darksaber
1: well well i mean i mean seriously couldn't if if they were going to move the dark if they were going to give the darksaber back to Bo eventually i mean if you're going to have mando like sure mando's honorable and stuff but couldn't like technically if you're mando couldn't you just pull Bo aside and be like hey nobody's around Oh, you defeated me. Here's the Darksaber, and just hand it to her. Like <laughs> like nobody would know. Like, who cares? Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. I just then again, I guess that's real world stuff, but um but yeah, like I don't know. I thought that was a little little confounding with that whole thing, and especially the way that Darksaber saber con- continues in this series. Um but yeah, I would have to give this episode I think it's the worst of the season, probably. Yeah. I would say it's
0: a I would say it's a five point five. All right, so 5.5 is 6 for me and Ben. Now we have the next episode. What was this episode called, by the way? War Mantle? No, that was, that's a bad, bad No, episode. it was called The Spies. No, it wasn't. That was the other one. That was the one that we're going to talk sp- about right now.
1: This oh, 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 episode, the um, previous
0: episode was... Um, oh,
1: the Jack Black episode. I'm not sure. I, I don't remember.
0: Yeah, because when I watched on Disney+, Plus, literally... It wasn't even updated yet to have the title when well, I watched well, cause it. Well, because that's
1: happened. that's that's the thing. When I watch these episodes, I don't know the titles until I see them on Twitter. Because I watch it at three, so I don't, I didn't see well, it.
0: To be fair, they do actually show everybody the chapter title. I'm just not recalling it. Um, it was something with like war. Now I feel like I have to figure this out. We <laughs> can't keep talking around, and I'll figure out the answer as we speak to the internet that is yeah, at our fingertips. I the only episode i do not remember the title for guns for hire guns for hire
1: i just can't believe one thing too like don't get me wrong you could put could have put like a newer director on this but they they gave this episode to bryce dallas howard oh yeah i'm like come on people you like you guys did her wrong in my opinion like i really don't
0: think they should have given her this episode that it it definitely didn't ring as true as the first two seasons of the episode she's been involved with oh yeah yeah not you know everybody has their one kind of dud right so it's just yeah just a little bit and a lot of times too it's
1: i mean you know like with a show like this it's not even it's not even the directing it's it's just the writing so that's that's
0: You know she she had to work with Favreau's script, so it's like that's the thing I've I've been saying a lot. of Other people have been saying I agree with. Uh, Maybe it's better for season four to have a couple writers on board just to support. uh, I see that's a thing
1: I think too. You know that's like a total sidebar. Gosh, that could be a whole um, podcast Mm. in and of itself too. Is I think the thing is with Favreau, it's not even just dogging on Favreau like oh Favreau's getting burnout or whatever. But if you think about Favreau. Like, there should be more writers. Like, I would feel the same way. If Filoni wrote three full seasons, four full seasons of a show, plus Boba Fett and all this stuff, I'd be saying the same thing about Dave in terms of live action, too. Because the Mm -hmm. thing is, when it comes to live action, look, Favreau's written more live action stuff than George Lucas has. And now that's saying something. So it's Mm. like, I think it's a time, like, even if you get another just a co-writer on the show, I think it would be a big help because he has to be getting just... Even, he might be enjoying his writing, but he could be unintentionally, like, getting, indirectly getting burnt out, you know, from writing so much Star Wars. Mm Mm-hmm.
0: Ah, that's, that's a, like you said, we'll talk about that on a later episode Mm -hmm. in more depth, but right now we're going to talk about Season 3, Episode 7, Chapter 23, titled The Spies. Now, a little bit of a precursor to our discussion for this episode. This was the episode they showed us early So, the first day of Celebration, they had the big panel, showcase panel. They showed us the first six minutes of this episode, and... Oh, man. We'll just jump right into the scene, because I love this opening. This was kind of where we really... The rubber hits the road, I feel like, in this episode, because they open up what we've all been looking for. What's the Imperials doing? What are they doing? And... Not only that, we get to see a full-fledged Shadow Council. The last time we heard that term was in Star Wars Aftermath Trilogy, which took place right after Return of the Jedi. You had Gallius Rax, you had what we see in here, Brundle Hux. I didn't catch it the first time because I was in a loud auditorium. But, <laughs> yeah, that was actually the brother of Donald Gleeson. That's why he sounds and looks just like him. It's his brother. So they did a brilliant job of, of you Know electing to get the brother in there because it's a perfect casting. Um, and you get to see the guy that you know all about, that the, Captain Paleon. Yep, you're currently going oh, through yeah. the Hair of the Empire trilogy again. Yep,
1: yep. I actually just finished that um a couple days ago. Well, the first book of it, anyways. But yeah, I mean, the Shadow Council scene was incredible. Like, I see, like. Scenes like those, I feel like they're really good for your general audience members because it gets you interested. Like, ooh, who are all these bad guys? Because it, you know, it's kind of like flashbacks to A New Hope, and then it gets it, it gets you really going for us hardcore fans. We're like, oh my gosh, Paleon, Oh my gosh, Hux! Oh my gosh, um, this yeah. person, that person. You know, like it gets it, it gets it really going for all the hardcore fans too. So it's like those type of scenes are perfect, and then like the whole context of the conversation too. I thought was really cool between, you know, obviously you have Gideon, uh, requesting his uh, requesting support from the council, and then you know you have the name drops of the different projects, Project Necromancy with Hux. Like, obviously Necromancy that is with Hux is clearly the Snoke project, I would say. Um, And then you know, of course, you have. Guess, I, I, I would, I would assume, Palpatine. but I, I do have other ideas for that. I'm um, thinking that's
0: Palpatine because necromancy basically means you're bringing it like dealing with the dead, like you're trying to bring something back from the dead, you're trying to have the dead speak. Oh, the dead speak. Remember that big old line you from know. you know, so I, I mean, Snoke is a good possibility, I and mean, we you know Snoke has oh, to yeah, come that's... in a picture soon because even in one of the books or something they said that like Snoke was a well-known friend among the Skywalkers or something like that like yep. for Ben early on in his life. So yep. you would think at this point like Ben is like a couple years old, so there's gotta be a Snoke soon
1: oh yeah and then on top of that, I mean God we have um I think I think one of the best parts of the scene I pointed it out pointed it out in our group chat at the time was the part where you have Gideon talking trash about basically like thrawn like hey where's where's thrawn you know where's this guy you know blah 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 like you know if he's pretty much saying like if he's such a big character why isn't he here with all of you people and you know paleon basically saying you know his him coming back is you know is such a big secret Like, they, it's basically, you know, they're using it as a surprise tactic, like, oh my gosh, if soon as Thrawn comes back into the picture, it's going to basically, like, make the galaxy panic again. Mm -hmm. So, you know, they're using him in that regard, which is really cool, because actually in the first Heir to the Empire book, they are, they use Thrawn in that exact same regard, like, Thrawn through pretty much 90% of the book was in secret um, for the entire book, basically. So it's cool. it's cool how they kind of like pulled from that. So it really makes me think, though, like the way they're going with Gideon. Um, like we'll get into some of the stuff with Gideon in a couple episodes. But so we'll we'll just say with or in the next one. We'll just say with this one, though, it makes me feel like Gideon is not going to get killed by a good guy. I think Thrawn's going to kill him because like you can't be, you know, that's like trash talking Darth Vader, or the Emperor. Like you can't get away with that. So, mm. I think I think it's inevitable in se- probably season 4.
0: Mhm. Mhm. Yeah, I mean uh, yeah, th- I I'm just happy that we finally have this acknowledgement of what's going on with these Imperials. We have Carson Tev out there trying to get the Republic to understand like, hey, they are organized. It's not just a bunch of straggler war um warmongers. These guys are are getting organized. They have a, a greater purpose, but no one's understanding. Now we get the first hand look of, yeah, this is the big picture. They're carrying on the legacy of Palpatine. But are they really? Because they haven't really mentioned Palpatine's name. I'm just assuming that Necromancer is dealing with that. I mean, that's the end game. They're trying to just get the best body for Palpatine to transfer to. Um, they're over there on Exegol. But yeah, I, I'm just a big fan of these Imperial scenes in general when it's just like a bunch of officers just talking to one another we haven't gotten that yet in the mandalorian to my knowledge we've had like no. one or two talking to each other but to see that well whole it council. connects all parts of canon yeah you know? yeah again like Brendel Hux, this is a guy that was one of the people that was going into the unknown regions fleeing from the battle of Jakku. he had his young son with him and he was there with grand admiral sloan and she's like it is our first order to go here or something like that. And it's like, oh, the remnants of the first order, the, the little T. But yeah, Brendel Hux also showed up in the Phasma novel. And that's the one he gets killed in. He gets poisoned. By his own son, actually, I think it is. Yeah, I'm pretty
1: sure it was it was um his I'm pretty sure it was his kid. So
0: yeah, it's uh it's really cool seeing that paper cannon as tractor beam from the Star Wars Underworld Network's like Saka. The big moving pieces. It's one big Star Wars galaxy. And I forgot to mention right off the bat of all the things that came out this week. Um, <laughs> real quick aside, real quick aside, a little digression here. Um, obviously, Survivors out this week. We had Star Wars Timelines, which is the most comprehensive Star Wars canonical reference book I've ever read. And I've only opened like two pages and I can already see like, oh my gosh, I'm going to just pour over this thing. It's got every piece of Canon in a nice tidy timeline um, from the higher, from even before the high Republic. We'll have to take another day to dive in because they have like old Republic, like little Mm. milestones that haven't even been in Canon yet. Um, And it goes all the way to the first order, the fall of the first order. And it has everything connected from books like aftermath on a timeline to the birth of certain characters. Like apparently Job of the Hutt was born 600 BBY, like really just awesome stuff that's really in the nitty gritty. So, there you go, uh, Darth Vader Black, White, and Red, and the High Republic Adventures Quest of the Jedi number one. So, if you're wondering what came out this week, there you go. All right, picking it back up where we left off at the Shadow Council. So, um, that was awesome. So, that was that celebration we had seen that scene, and then they basically said, Hey, we're gonna show you an episode. And we're like, Huh, yeah, come back at five o'clock today, we'll show you an episode. So we went back, we watched the the episode in its entire, entirety, and I said then, and I think I still strongly believe, that was the best episode oh, yeah. of season three. And it was a great episode to show a crowd of 4,000 people because there was the awesome fan service moments of Thrawn that people have been waiting for, like, oh my gosh, Shadow Console, like, this is awesome. And then the moment with Grogu. um, you got to have a big Grogu moment for a big crowd like that at Celebration and to see that segment of the IG-12 carrying Grogu around. And Grogu Grogu controlling the thing, technically having his first words... Yes yes yes, <laughs> yes, 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 yeah, yes. You know? So to see him being able to verbalize, even though he can't speak himself, was, was really funny. And the, the Meliu run thing in, in, the, in the market there is squishing the fruit. And that was a blast. Yeah. Oh, 100%. Like, I think, I don't
1: remember if I messaged it to you guys or it might have been to one of my buddies, but I think that's what this season has been missing. Like, we've been missing a lot of those. Grogu moments. Like, don't get me wrong, I've cracked several jokes. I've cracked several jokes, you know, before about like, you know, what are they going to do with Grogu? Just keep Grogu, 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 just like go crazy with Grogu. But this season, they dial Grogu way back, it feels like, where it's like, man, we're missing him. And that's hurting the show, in my opinion. And then this episode, boom, instantly felt like we were back to Mando season one and season two with Grogu doing some fun stuff. We get a few minutes of Grogu being funny cute Grogu and like like you said that plays to the crowd that plays to the hardcore fans that plays to that plays to all audiences because people enjoy that like it's not it's not too much it's it's just right um and then like the way they the way they did the dialogue obviously it was like the yes and no's but just the pauses between him and den were like it was perfectly timed up you know and i i uh i really really liked that whole sequence with him in the ig unit
0: yeah, and we also get to see what I like in Star Wars is a big fleet shot. Love those fleet shots in Star Wars. And even before we see what happened with Grogu and IG 12, uh, in the beginning of the episode, we get to see this big ship just going over. It's the uh, Arcatans light cruiser class, and it's got the Mythosaur emblazoned on its bottom. And you got like Gazante class freighters. You got fang fighters you got gauntlet fighters like all of these mandalorian ships it was freaking magnificent i loved it oh yeah anytime i see like big vehicle
1: uh shots and things like that now i think of you i'm like oh man i bet chris is gonna like this or that yeah um because i know how much you appreciate the vehicles and stuff but yeah i always i i really love those shots as well just because you know they're just it's just it's cool just seeing all those different classes of ships, the different designs, like you said, the Mythosaur emblem, like those different um, details, it just, it's just such a nice aspect um, added into this series, I would say, and just in Star Wars as a whole, like, you mm-hmm. know, you always enjoy the ships in Star Wars, no matter, and heck, going clear back to A New Hope, like the Millennium Falcon, it was really interesting, or Leia's ship, or... The the star destroyers like you know it's cool just seeing those ships the x wings whatever and then now this show you know we have plenty of ships in these in these Disney Plus shows
0: oh certainly certainly yeah and and I speaking of ships we literally had a ship a Mandalorian ship on the surface of Mandalore so we have all the badgers are like okay it's breathable we're gonna take back our our place and it is cool seeing bo katan kind of giving them the rundown of like inspiring the troops like okay this is our home and then they just dropped down it was a really cool sequence but then we get to see those surviving mandalorians that never left even after the purge and they're out there surviving they have this cool little pirate ship and i thought it was kind of well before i even get to my next point I like the fact that there was that tension that was built up in the beginning of this episode between the children of the watch and uh, the, the Bo Katans people, I don't know if they're called the Night the Night Owls or what if they're still called that or whatever. But it was great because you know in like the legends and stuff, like Mandalorians would fight each other. They do it in the old Republic video game all the time. So yep. it was cool to actually, you know, see the evidence of okay. These are warren people. They have two different ideologies, even though they are Mandalorians. To see Paz Vizla going at it against um, Axe Woves was, was really cool. You know, I love their use of the jetpacks to, like, slam people down, like, jetpack punch yep. and, and stuff like like I feel like they've really gotten down like this unique choreography that works really well for the Mandalorians. Oh, yeah. And look, speaking of that sequence, they perfectly timed up Grogu to get involved.
1: Like, I thought, I thought that was really well done. Like you said, it was cool getting to see him kind of fight it out, because it's like, how are they going to fight? Like, you know, they have these basically, um, you know, amazing armor, so it's just going to be kind of like a smacking around type session, but uh, I thought that was, that was a, that was a really well done, and like you said, it was really well choreographed fight, you know, for them flying around, hitting each other, like, just the way it's shot, you can definitely tell John Favreau still knows like the shooting angles for like the Iron Man esque characters. Um, that's for sure. But uh, yeah, I really, really like that. Was one of my more favorite little parts of the of the episode. I think you know, really as a the se- part of the season as a whole. I think one of my big things I've enjoyed. I I really do like a lot of the Mandalorian, like the culture building. You know. I like that sort of stuff. Chris, you're muted.
0: Can't that mute. that that is what the season is about is the Mandalorian. So to see that they are doing a good job with that aspect of it. Mandalore, getting into the culture, dealing with the differences. Could they have done more of it? certainly they could have done more there was a couple moments in, in some previous episodes where they could have fleshed out the backstories of the Mandalorians just a little bit more um because i feel like this was the best opportunity where we're on the soil of the Mandalorians that the, the, where they came from let's let's dive a little bit deeper in and that's that's going to be a negative that they didn't do uh, as we talk about the season as a whole um Speaking of negatives like what the heck with the stupid creature like I I, they uh, They just love these creatures in this season and sometimes it just like makes no sense like Okay, you have a Godzilla thing come out of the ground. Why can't it be the mythosaur like you just have to create like another thing again like It was just random. It's like it's coming out of the ground, but we're gonna go back under the ground where it came from It's like yeah, I don't know like like you're driving the ship like get the ship away. Just turn around like why are you going near this thing with the ship
1: yeah i so i didn't understand it like like you said at this point we've had so many like creature moments i feel like it's like are we at the mythosaur yet that's what i was thinking
0: yep 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 um and this is this is the part that was shocking because you're uh, you you you're, you're running around the bottom of this place or exploring, and next thing you know, you have white Imperial troopers coming down. And we had seen those guys. We had seen them holding vigil guard over uh, the sanctum that Gideon was going in to speak with the Shadow Council. So I didn't know what their deal was. Um, I don't know if they're clones. I didn't know if they were droids because it didn't seem like they have any personality to them, and it's like they were just very uniform in the way they stood and everything like that. So, what what did you think about these new troopers? I don't even know if they have a specific name as a trooper yet. I, I haven't seen any specific names. I honestly, like, the
1: way... So, like, the way... Not even, like, getting into the next episode. The way Gideon talked, I honestly was thinking they were going to be, like, clones of him or something. Because if you, like, listen to how he talks, he... Like, I don't... It just, however, his dialogue was in that episode. I I can't remember it exactly, but he talks about like himself being in them or like involved in them or something or or however he says it um, mm-hmm. when he's introducing those troopers. It makes it like if you listen carefully, it makes it sound like potentially they're clones, but you know they obviously don't say it specifically. So mm-hmm. um, I don't know. I thought it was cool like him getting his own kind of personal guard though. I thought that was neat just because, you know, normally our villains, our villains normally have those, like Thrawn has his dark troopers or death troopers or whatever he has, like those robot mm. troopers. And then like you got obviously Palpatine with his guys and, you know, Vader never needs anybody. But like, you know, like you're normal, you're more normal, like you're non-force sensitive people always have a guard. I mean, heck, even Krennic. Like, everybody has one, and Gideon really hadn't had one, so it was cool getting to see, like, his personal guard, like, what they're about.
0: Yeah, yeah, you got everybody that has the henchmen, and uh it was neat getting to see, getting to see what that would be like for him, although he might have even more specialized guards, as we'll talk about in a few moments here. But <laughs> I thought it was interesting that the Mandalorians um, had an Imperial installation under their noses the entire time. And it's quite ironic, right? It's like, okay, we get to see the... Oh, we get to understand the entire story of Bo-Katan and and how she could have lost the Darksaber to him, whereas he is so inferior, where we see him fighting. He's not that great of a fighter with the thing. How did he lose it? Oh, well, she freely gave it up and got duped by him. So I like that. I like seeing that Like she's... You know, that's where a lot of her sorrow comes from, is because she was... Kind of responsible to a certain point of view of like some of the destruction. Like she could have rebelled, I guess, and still would have got owned by them. But she at least believed that there could have been peace to a certain degree if she would have just laid down her arms. So I I, I'm happy that we again we got that backstory, but we get to see a lot more out of um, just everybody, everybody fighting. Uh, It was really cool that the sequence there of just. Inside this imperial installation in Mandalore, how ironic that is that they're utilizing this the, the technology of the same people they committed genocide against. Like, damn. Oh yeah, I thought I thought the entire like action sequences were
1: done really well in this episode. and in this um specific like sequence when they were in going into the installation and everything. And uh, like you said, I thought the bo katan thing they did a pretty good job of answering how Gideon got the saber. I thought that that was done well. And, you know, as you watch these episodes more and more, like, it explains why they had to do the IG unit for Grogu because it makes so much more practical sense to have him in that versus, like, you know, Din trying to carry him around, like,
0: with, yeah.
1: without any protection in those war zones, basically. So it makes <laughs> a lot more sense as to why they did it. Um, and, yeah, I just thought the whole battle sequences were done, were done really well in this. In this episode, anyways.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then getting to the end, like, this was dark. Like, just the, them getting trapped. This felt like the Empire Strikes Back to me. It was like, you got Din and being captured. Bo-Katan is about to die, gets out of there. And Paz Vizsla has the most epic last stand. He's just taking out those proto-trooper, whatever they're called, uh, I say proto because I think of like the with the white Boba Fett figure uh, that was a prototype, um, and what this what this does so well. It did well in the beginning of the episode with tying in book content, but we got a direct sequel trilogy tie-in with the Praetorian guards going at it with Paz Vizsla. I love how this scene really shows you the power of the Praetorians. Like, we we have just seen Pazville just, like, mop the floor with all these troopers, and then these red troopers come out and just crush him. So it's like you see the hierarchy of power, yep. and that at least helps me when I watch Last Jedi. It's like, okay, Kylo and, uh, and Ray are actually really expert fighters if they're just taking these guys out the way they are. With well, that many of them. Here's the interesting part about the Praetorian Guards. Uh, if you hadn't seen, like, uh,
1: if you, if you like pause it and really look, though, I think these are like the Gen 1 Praetorian Guards or something. Like, I think these are the first iteration of them because they have a different helmet. The helmet's the helmet because it's, it's like the Mando visor instead of the normal Praetorian Guard look um, if you compare them. So I think these are like the Gen 1 praetorian guards like they're still called praetorians you know i just think it's like the gen one like like how they did like the dark trooper series Mm -hmm. basically Mm -hmm. i think i think that's what we're i think so maybe that's why the praetorian guards are so good in combat you know they're like inspired coming off of like the mandalorians or something you know like maybe that's why but uh but yeah i thought that was that was really cool and man like just the way the whole scene was shot with the praetorians versus Paz. I thought that was done really, really well. And then uh, the music, of course, was great. And yeah, it was just, uh, I thought it was just a really well-done scene. And it was kind of like a payoff for all of this character building they did for Paz's character. Like, you know, rescuing his kid. You know, him having his character moment of him supporting Din uh you know in the episode we we reviewed i think it was the fifth episode where he was like yeah we'll yeah we'll go with him now you know that whole thing like you know so we've had all these character moments with paz and you know here's kind of like the payoff like that was his like character arc basically so i thought they did a really good job um of rounding out his character and uh yeah it was just a good heroic death for him
0: Mm-hmm. oh yeah i certainly agree i certainly agree i seen it coming. I was like, yeah, I feel like this is it for him this season. At some point, he's he's just turning turning the page and, and really becoming more likable, if that's even proper. But he's definitely going to be... Just like IG-11, I wouldn't be surprised if we see a statue of Paz Vizsla in one of the Mandalorian courtyards down the line. <laughs> oh. So, yeah, we leave that episode, and that brings us to our finale. And the finale... I'll start off. This is episode eight, chapter twenty-four, The Return. And this episode I would classify as satisfying. This episode ended, and I said to you guys, I said, They could have very well just ended the show right here, right now. Like it seemed like there's enough closure, there's enough resolution. It kind of reminded me of Return of the King, where it's like, oh, okay, we're gonna go back to Navarro, we're gonna see that plot line tied up we're going to go over here to this bar with Carson Teva, where there might be a little bit more adventures, but, you know, the main crux of the story seems to be finished for Din at this moment. So, for me, it just kind of, like, that and, and the fact of the matter is they iris out on Grogu, which is something they do in the movies. Like, they iris out, and then that's the credits, and there's also no after credit scenes, so it's almost like they want us to appreciate this episode in its entirety, and not, like, look forward too much, but more or less just, like, just study that that last 35 minutes we had just seen and then that's it so what was your reaction we'll talk about it in reverse order kind of like what was your reaction to the ending of the episode ben okay so the ending of the
1: episode like i said i've i've but going into the episode you know we heard favreau like talking about how season four is wrote and all this so like i knew that wasn't the end But even knowing it wasn't the end, it still felt weird because, like you said, it felt like it could be a series finale the way they did it. Um, And then, you know, I, like, started doing some digging and stuff. And by the way, like, also, for Episode 7 and 8 of this season, Rick Fimawaya doing the directing. Like, his directing, like, say what you want about the content of the episodes. His directing is so good. Like, Mm. I love his directing style so much. Um, Mm. But he actually, like, inspired the whole ending the way they did it off of a uh, a charlie chaplin film called the child from mm. 1920 1921 yeah i was going to say fitting um but but they uh they inspired or the kid the kid actually it was the kid the kid my my mistake but anyways like that's how that movie ended and i guess rick thomaway's filming style and stuff like he's taken a lot of inspiration from from those those early films and that's where he got that Idea from to do that, so uh, so you know you have that. So I thought that was like a really in- interesting choice to do it, just because it's like, you know, I like the creativity from from Finn Mauea, but it's like you know there's a season four, so like it makes it feel like it's the end of the series, but yeah. there's still a season four, so it's like I don't know, it's just. They might have just gave him like full creative control for the for the editing or something, and he just said, let's just do this because I I want to do it this way. Mm. So maybe maybe they did that, but yeah, it was interesting. But in general, it was a good happy ending for Grogu and Din, and then now it kind of it kind of leaves us on a cliffhanger of whether say if the series ended or continued, which it's continuing. But it leaves us on this cliffhanger of, like, Din joining the New Republic to basically be, like, a contracted bounty hunter now.
0: Mm. Yeah. Which which
1: I think that's going to be the crux of, like, this is my my bird's eye thing, though, Chris. So, bouncing off, like, our Shadow Council discussion, I think the crux of Season 4... Din's gonna be hunting those Shadow Council members.
0: Oh. I think I think
1: I think that's what it is. Like, because what other what other Imperial Warlord, what other Imperial things would he be hunting? Just random officers? I think he's gonna be hunting the Shadow Council for season four. This but reminds we'll get it, me we'll
0: of that. This reminds me of uh what was it? aftermath life debt. They opened up that book and that crew of characters was literally doing that. They were going after the Imperial Warlords and just headhunting yep. them. So it's like, that. that's pretty cool because that's not, you know, the, the New Republic is, is kind of like the Empire in a way. They, they're going to hire hired guns to do their bidding because they don't even have a military. So now they need to spend money on these contract private contractors to get this military stuff done. Um, speaking of military, we see this episode might even have the biggest scale out of any Star Wars series to date as far as like, that entire episode was basically one giant battle. Um, I was a little bit let down by Din Djarin in this episode. First of all, I thought he got away too easy. I was like, oh, I was really expecting like a cool interrogation scene where like his helmet would come off and like Pedro would be there. And, and so that leaves us with no Pedro at all this entire season, which is very disappointing.
1: Yeah, I thought... That whole sequence of him escaping and and Grogu, like, helping him out and all that stuff. Like, don't get me wrong. I... Like, I don't know about you. I was talking to one of my good friends about this. But I... Like, okay, so when Grogu first pops up right there with Din, like, it feels feels to me anyways like they cut a whole scene out or something. Because it's like, it cuts and Grogu is like, boom, right in scene with him. And it's Mm. like... Did Grogu just go and like walk around the whole building and just like slip in yeah. real quick to right where Den is or something? Cause like <laughs> it literally, it, it like jump putts and Grogu is right there in the room with him. And it's like, it was such a weird editing choice. And it was, it was jarring to me. You know, I'm watching this at three in the morning and I'm hyped because it's the finale. Yeah. It's the, fi- it's the finale. And I'm like, wait. Like, I honestly, I, I, you know, hand on the Bible. Like, I literally, <laughs> I, 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 I paused the TV because I thought I bumped the fast-forward button on my remote because I was like, wait, did I just skip something on accident? And I rewinded it by like a minute, and I was like, no, I didn't. They just literally like jump-cutted it. It was really strange editing.
0: Yeah, so that's not the first time they've done that. I've noticed that before where it's like, oh, we were obviously missing something that they wanted to trim down here.
1: Yeah, but overall, I think... I think it was cool getting, like, Grogu in the thick of things, though, versus being just the cute baby. I do like that aspect of the IG suit.
0: Yeah, and, and, and speaking of Grogu, on a little diversion real quick. Uh, might be, actually, I say little, but this could also be a topic <laughs> for a show. It's like, was Grogu really needed this season? Like, if you look back at the Book of Boba Fett, was it really beneficial for them to, like, take him out? He could have still been training with Luke all this time, and, and they could have found ways without using him. I don't know, but it's just the way that the business runs, like, you gotta have him. And like you were saying, earlier in the season, it was like, we're kind of like, okay, well, he's here, but he's not really making himself present, you know? Well, like, l- look at, like, the
1: pirate episode. um, With the pirate battle episode, episode, we enjoyed that one, but Grogu was barely involved in it, and it's like normally Grogu would be doing stuff, like it honestly feels like they had the season wrote well they had the season wrote and then they smashed in rangers of the new republic to however however much they wanted to do that and then they're like crap we don't have any where are we going to throw in grogu because i feel like they got mandated to, to make grogu go back yep. to 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 den because cuz it's the whole thing of it's the thing i crack jokes about with grogu don't get me wrong grogu's one of my favorite characters but I crack jokes about it because it's the whole merchandising thing of like what's better for merchandising and marketing? Let's think. Have Grogu out of the show for two or three years or keep him in the show for every season. That's easy. Like, keep him in the show.
0: Yeah, the biggest egregious thing I've seen from Grogu was the Hired Guns episode we reviewed early on in the episode where it was like he wasn't in really the episode at all. All he did was like jump into the arms of Lizzo and then by the end of the episode, for whatever reason, she's knighting him. I'm like, how much did I miss? Like last we seen, he was just like in her arms, just hanging out. Like what the heck did he do to get knighted? Like what? That could be a Marvel comic, you
1: know? Yeah, I mean, something I mean, simple I mean, like in, that. Yeah, you, you never know. It is. It's just. It's interesting the way they've done things because honestly, I think. So the reason they bring in Grogu it's just because like I said it's 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 clearly it has to be like the marketing people or the board or whatever like saying hey no Grogu has to be in this mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and then um I do think though I I've had this running like theory like looking at the looking at all three seasons of the show I think by the end of all of this stuff including the movie the quote unquote Mandalorian is gonna be Grogu. Like, I think this is just Grogu's story. He is gonna be the first Mandalorian Jedi, like, you know, that the armor referenced um and talked about, like, from e- Eon's mm. past or whatever she says. Like, yeah. I think I think Grogu's gonna be the next one, the next Mando Jedi. Like, I think that's what it what it's gonna end up being. So, uh, so I think that's where they're heading with Grogu. But even mm. at that. Like, why not just leave Grogu out this season and let him be training for with Luke for two, three, yeah, four exactly. years, and then have beat a powerful Jedi
0: plus a Mando. Hmm. So, as far as the actions concerned, I I would say the choreography in the sequence with the laser gates and Din Djarin and those uh, those troopers was absolutely awesome. I got vibes of Daredevil hallway scene a little bit, just because it's like that drop. You know, drop dead, beat down, just use every tool, every skill in your arsenal. And it was like a video game. It was like, okay, wave one, take these two troopers out. Wave two, take the... And it was cool, because he was, like, taking their weapons along the way.
1: Yep. Oh, yeah, I really liked that sequence, because... You know, I I joked my buddy when we were watching, I, I kinda had the same reaction as you. It was like it felt like a video game. He was kind of like leveling up his like yeah. weapon set or his like armor set or whatever, you know, yeah. his carrying items. Like it felt like that. And that's literally what I was like. I was like, man, this feels kinda like a video game right now.
0: How many figures are they gonna sell where he has that stun baton and then the shield? That yep. was awesome. That was mm-hmm. so cool. Yeah. Oh, I completely agree with you. <laughs> yeah, so, so and it was cool seeing the Praetorian fight. Like, an unarmed Dinjar, and then Grogu, like, being in the thick of it with him, and assisting him with the force, like, force-pulling the Praetorians, and him just, like, laughing, jumping around the rafters. Like, that was pure Grogu fun. Whereas, like, he's yep. in the face of ultimate danger, and he's having a fun time.
1: Oh, yeah, I love i love that aspect of grogu like those are the things to me if you're gonna bring grogu back we need we needed more of that this season more of those fun times with grogu um and those sorts of things like because like when you get that type those type of sequences like with him with the praetorians it's like that's what we want with that character you know Mm -hmm. we want we want it to be quote-unquote dangerous but also be like a fun time for for the kid basically
0: yeah As far as for a finale, uh, uh, with the grandiose scale, this this was great. Because you had what was going on with Axe Wove. By the way, that guy has some sick jetpack. Because the previous couple episodes, these guys couldn't go half a kilometer without running out of fuel. And then this guy's literally going into space with his jetpack. Obviously, they're from different cults or whatever you want to call them, clans. So apparently his clan has really good jetpacks. But what I'm getting at here is it felt like the Phantom Menace. It felt like Return of the Jedi, where you had multiple things going on. You had like the overall army war between all those white troopers and the Mandalorians, including the armor, using her tools of the trade to take down her foes. And then you have what's going on with ax Wolf, who's just piloting this light cruiser toward its demise and being a badass about it. And then you have Din Djarin, Facing off against Moff Gideon. Um, so the Moff Gideon stuff we could talk about because that was interesting. That's we're we're seeing this, this is why I felt like this is the ending to book one. If you want to call it like this the first phase of the Mandoverse, because now we get the full picture. Why was he getting the DNA from Grogu? What is this obsession with the Jedi? Like all this stuff, it's because of the, the tanks himself in the tanks we got clones of moff gideon uh, kind of bringing a little bit of air to the empire some cool expanding universe stuff uh was your thoughts about that with the tanks yeah i thought it was i thought
1: it was really cool they they actually went there with the clones i was i was i was like because you know after feedback from the sequels i thought they might chicken out on it you know and not actually go all the way and do it do the whole clone thing so I so, you know, props to them on actually going all the way and going with the clone arc. And like you said, it's kinda of like shout outs to like kind of the EU stuff, and then of course like the sequel cloning stuff. So um so that was pretty cool. And then, you know, it finally connects our storylines of like why is Gideon wanting a force powerful a force some type of force user for his experiments? And it's like, oh, here's why he's creating force sensitive clones of himself, oh. and it's like there's so much potential there with those with those clones, yeah. and um, and then they like meet their untimely, very fast demise, and it's like, okay, like I thought that was just a little odd. I hope my hope for the Gideon clone situation is, I hope he has like a lot more of him somewhere oh, else. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Just just because like fingers crossed, like please in season four, like let him have more clones somewhere else because it just felt like that storyline. Like, as soon as we get the clones, it's like, oh, this is interesting, yeah. and boom, they're done. Yeah, and it's yeah, like yeah. And I'm like, wait, I, I just, I wanted to see him do, doing stuff, like, using the Force, like, I don't know, Force choking Mando or something, I don't know, or, like, <laughs> anything.
0: Yeah, there's so much speculation in that, too, right? Like, we have a show called The Bad Batch, which is delving into cloning right now, for it's going into Season 3, and they are on Mount Tantas. What if, you know, he has a couple backups over there? And fast forwarding to the end of the episode and it's Din versus Bo versus or Din versus Moff who's versing Bo-Katan. And we see the ultimate moment of Grogu kind of like in season one where he's deflecting the fire. And we see Gideon pretty much get fried to a crisp. But what's to say that wasn't his clone to begin with? And then he was out there somewhere far away um, just doing business, you know? Yeah, I think I think it has to be a clone um
1: like just I don't know it just I don't I don't see them killing get like to me it feels like if Gideon goes out like that like it just seems like like don't get me wrong it's it, he gets like fried to a crisp but like
0: <laughs> it,
1: it feels like such a lame death like it really like like I hate to say it like because I, I really like the action overall this whole episode I think I really enjoyed the action a lot of the action. And that's, like, one part. It feels, like, kind of lame, like, going out like that. Um, Versus, like, having, I don't know, Bo, like, stab him or something. Or, like, you know, know, something, like, Mandalorian-esque or whatever. Like, I don't know. It just felt kind of lame. So I'm hoping... I think it's going to be a clone. I really do. Just because... Just because story-wise. And then, like... Like, I don't know. Real-world... Real-world... Real-world wise in season two of Mando when that was going on like John Carlos talked about he's signed on for four seasons yeah I remember that too I I think I think I think it's a clone it has to be like maybe hey that might be a big reveal for season four like what if you know we get two episodes in and like Gideon I don't know like pops in on Mando and is like hello I'm still here like I don't know you know how John Carlos does it like how he talks and (laughs) maybe he pops in to like blow the party basically
0: yeah, uh, yeah, it's it's interesting. I I don't know. I feel like the, this is more of like the series as a whole with Moff Gideon. Like he always shows up in like the last two episodes. You realize that? Like it's always just like the final two. So we really haven't spent that much time with it. So that's if he is gonna be back, he better be a more of a focal point, not like a footnote. Honestly, because it's like, yeah, like. I I feel like this guy needs to be propped up more. I mean, he always has such a presence when he is on screen and when he is in the episodes. But then it's like, okay, he's not there like three quarters of the time. So we need to get him to feel more of a threat. I feel like sometimes it's just like, oh, that's one of the threats. or Maybe that's on purpose, you know. Maybe when Thrawn gets the scene, that was the lackey the whole time. Now this is the real deal.
1: Yeah, I mean, I mean they might end up going the whole route of, you know, like we said, he's going to be he might be just the lackey. See, they might have they might put, have kind of cornered themselves in a situation. They got such an amazing actor just to play kind of a lackey role, you know? And sure. I think that could be the the territory where they're straying into potentially with him. But then again, maybe not. Like it let's say for all intents and purposes that was a clone that got killed. Like what would be cooler then? To have Gideon come back in season four, be a badass, like I don't know, cause some chaos. Maybe he kills axe Wolves or something, or like, you know, maybe he does something cool or like kill, I don't know, God forbid kills kills Bo or something. But like, does that, does all that, and we're like, oh my gosh, this big bad villain. And then Thrawn pops in and yep. kills him. And then then the thing is, see, this is what I keep petitioning for, or like, like <laughs> pushing for in my theory, in my theory range of things. Like what So, like, with Thrawn, th- this is why I keep saying this with Thrawn. Like, Thrawn has to kill Gideon because you and me, Chris, and, like, all of our listeners, if you're consuming Star Wars content on YouTube, you already know how big of a character Thrawn is. Mm-hmm. But for Chris's mom and my grandma and whoever's – whoever or his girlfriend or whoever whoever yep. people who are in the know of Star Wars, you have to make Thrawn be this, oh, shit, this is a
0: huge
1: villain – what would be better than to come in and him just to, boom, take out Gideon like that, and then it'd be like, oh, man, this guy means business, yeah. and this is the bad guy behind it all? So they have to somehow set the tone for Thrawn, because all all for, you know, like, like if your mom watches, like when Thrawn pops mm-hmm. in, Chris, like if she watches, she's going to be like, so this is basically just a blue Tarkin, he's standing around like, you know they have to make him impactful. Like that's what that's. They have to do something to make him mean something to the to the to the general audience that yeah. isn't hardcore yeah. fans.
0: Yeah, and as much as I loved his appearance in Rebels, I feel like they and maybe it was because the demographic a lot of what they were targeting for your audience, but like he did get duped a little bit too much in my eyes. Like on those episodes, oh, yeah. like it was like, oh, the rebels got away somehow. The rebels got away somehow. And I like to think like, Thrawn, the only thing, and this is the books too, like, the only thing that ever would trick him was the Force itself because that's not something that... The symbol, and I I mentioned this before. Uh Uh-oh. Apparently OBS disconnected. I I think it's going to... The whole point of a lot of the season was the Darksaber to a certain degree. And we see it get destroyed. I don't know if somebody's going to rebuild it. But I feel like that was a symbolic moment. Like, okay, this Darksaber that has been, you know, a prized possession. It, it started with Pre Vizsla. And we don't know how he got it. But then it went to Maul. Then it went to Sabine. Then it went to Bokatan, Then it went to Gideon. Then it went to dinjarin Then it went back to bokatan And now it has been crushed. Uh, and that just, like, kind of, like, okay, like, Symbols are great and all, but they're not necessarily. If you are a proven leader, like we see towards the end of this, I think she basically became Mandalore. They didn't really say it, but... I mean, she's united, like, the clans that we know of so far. She's... They're all Mandalore. I think she's everybody. Every title is, like, Mandalore at this point. But yeah, that, that, that's why, like, it's like, you don't need that symbol to be a ruler to have accomplished something. So I thought that was pretty neat, and it was pretty pretty out there for something i was like wow they really did that you know
1: yeah i was surprised they they destroyed the dark saber just because it was like you know it's been such like an iconic thing in terms of like all of star wars so that was an interesting choice and like you said it it makes sense though because it's like you're um because, you know, I feel like the Darksaber kind of symbolizes like an animosity between a lot of the Mandalorians. Like, oh, oh we got to follow, we, you know, we got to follow this leader now. We got to follow this leader now. Like, <laughs> you know, versus just like the leader earning the respect and mm. and actually becoming the leader. So like Bo, that was cool seeing like the way Bo, like her character progressed throughout the season to this point. And I think that's gonna play like a big role into season four, obviously, but more into even the, like the Mandalorian people being like an ally mm-hmm. in the Felony movie. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I um, think that's a long play more than anything.
0: Mm, yeah, there's there's you know they've been pulling from stuff from season one, like I mentioned, certain thematical type occurrences, but then then some characters and things, you know. Um, but as far as this episode is concerned, I enjoyed this for finale. I expected a little bit more oomph to it, especially considering, like, I wanted more of a tease for what's to come next. I feel like that's important. I feel like you could have good closure, but also have, like, something for the fans to talk about. I mean, I guess that was maybe the previous episode with the shadow cancel. So I'm not too mad about it, because I'm looking towards that. Like, yeah, that's the end game. Like, like whether or not Season 4 is going to tackle that or Ahsoka tackles some of that uh it's, you know yet to be determined but yeah i feel like this episode for me was a solid 8.5 i think it did its job in delivering a good satisfying epic finale but there definitely was room for more oh yeah i
1: do think um uh so i think for me overall the episode had a lot of like um had some weird editing choices like <laughs> for sure like, like, I just, there's some, like I said, the Grogu moment at the beginning, I just can't get over that. Like, when yeah. I watched that, I watched that episode three times just to make sure my, <laughs> my feelings on it. And I was like, I just cannot get over that. Like, for anybody watching, just go to the go in the first 10-15 minutes. When he pops in, the scene literally cuts. Like, there's no scene there. And he just cuts. And it's just, it's weird. But, um, but setting that editing choice aside, I think the action was done really well.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: um I think... The, uh, it was cool getting to see some classic, like, Grogu versus Praetorian, like, stuff like that. And then the clone stuff was interesting just because it kind of opens up a potential doorway for more stuff in the future, in terms of future seasons and future twists with, a you know, actual Gideon coming back. And then, of course, you have now um, Din getting involved with... He's basically a hired bounty hunter again with the Republic, like he's back to basically episode one of the show but now he has grogu at his side and he's working for the government basically Mm -hmm. so like you know it's like a full circle for his character which you know that's even more intriguing now that i now that i'm like speaking this out loud like think about it that way this could be a series finale too because you know it's like full circle for all three seasons like din goes from being a bounty hunter goes through this whole journey and now he's back to basically being a bounty hunter with grogu though So it's just kind of like interesting symbolism there, but yeah. Overall, for me, I think I think the episode was solid. It was fine. It I think it was the weakest finale of the three so far for Mando, Um, but for me, it's it's like a I give it an eight. But I do want to mention before we transition to the next topic, uh, we hadn't we hadn't mentioned it yet on this finale. What did you think of the final like the the sequence with? the adoption ceremony and like you know that whole thing what did you think of that because like it my thing my thing with it is yeah. this like i think it i i just was like i thought it was kind of that was one of my weird weird choices for the episode that kind of like ding the episode for me because it was like i thought we were all under the assumption that Grogu was adopted already so yeah. we just have to like yeah. we we have to do we have to do a whole nother scene like when, when they did that i was just like okay so i guess he's not been adopted for one and now he's technically now after all this stuff he's been to been through he none of that even counts like it's like him doing his internship but not actually having the paperwork filled out like uh-huh. he did all of this stuff and none of it counts. Now he's starting his apprenticeship as a Mandalorian. Yeah. So it's like, it's like, holy smokes, that for one, and then like, so is Din's real name Jaren? Like, since Grogu's named Din, Grogu is like, is is he actually named Jaren?
0: Like, I'm I'm a little bit confused, but I I also realized that their naming structure could be just specific for children of the watch right yeah like you got like axe wolves and casca reeves and bo-katan and i assume you know their names come from you know like our names like you got the surname and you get the you take the surname and you have your own first name whatever yeah. so i i just try i try not to think too much about it yeah. um because it could be just their naming convention for children of the watch but I agree though with your first point. It's like, yeah, I assume this was already a case that he was adopted, and it just seems like, yeah, okay, because like, like you said, like they've been through so much, and even the armor gave her, gave him like the, the, the Mandalorian the, the, armor, cool yeah, and, and gave yeah. him like the whole like armor piece. Like, yeah. th- she would just give that to just a random person, basically, because that's how I would put it. Like, if you're not a, a, a bounty, if you're not a Mandalorian, then why? Why would they waste the best car on you? So yeah, so they basically gave
1: like okay, of course Grogu's like Grogu and a Force user and all this stuff. But they basically gave some best car to just me off the street. Like, I mean I mean really. Like so it was just I don't know. I thought it was kind of strange, like the way that whole thing, like literally i and it's not even me just like hopping on like the internet to see what people are saying i literally said that to my buddy when we were watching i said i thought grogu was adopted already from the first episode of the show like (laughs) like the series like i just thought grogu's been adopted since then so like i don't know i just thought it was kind of like a really strange thing also because like star wars in and of itself like they've been like marketing the father and son thing for so long with grogu and now it's like oh wait he hasn't been adopted this whole time so like I thought that was kind of kind of weird and then I do like wish they would have done something like in that final sequence like like I like I know this is like kind of like meta thinking like about like the whole ceremony like imp- putting real real world stuff on it but like all right so it's just like a weird choice you have like an adoption ceremony like how do you think Paz Vizla's ki- kid feels over there like Oh man, they're doing this big adoption ceremony. My dad just got like taken out by Praetorian oh, guards. Oh my god. Like I don't know, it's just it's just like a weird choice of uh, again, a weird choice of scene structure. But I wish they would have kind of like even give Paz a shout out or like I don't know, maybe recovered some of his armor and like, you know, the kids wearing his dad's like arm like armor pieces or something. I thought I thought that would have been a better choice, honestly, than what they did with with the kid because like I don't know, I wish they would have done a little bit more, but I mean, that, a lot of that stuff is nitpicking, but it's just, it was a strange, strange scene overall, I think.
0: <laughs> yeah, so so let's, let's wrap up the whole season. Uh, you know, the season as a whole, we have Chris in the group, we have Dark Nerdy Gonzo in the chat room, sorry. Um, I see you guys in there, thanks for the lively discussion as always. And let's just talk about the season real quickly as a whole. Um, I would say that the, the thing that struck out with me the most is there wasn't a lot of character development for Din Djarin I feel like he really took a back seat this season and I feel like that really hurt it between him and Grogu they had such great storylines in the first two up ep- two seasons and it just hurts that he really didn't get a lot of development and I was really expecting a helmet to be off a lot this season. Didn't get it once. So it's like, well, that's a regression. He kind of went back to being a bounty hunter. I thought he would eventually be something greater, something rise above his station and be some some epic leader. And he was just like helping out, you know, the scum and villainy going to Navarro, just being a bodyguard. So yeah, that, that, that felt like, oh, this is not, not the best.
1: Yeah, I thought I I completely agree with you on those points. Like, it just felt like, like, don't get me wrong. I, I love Bo-Katan. Like, Katie Sackhoff is amazing. Like, I, I mean, I personally like the Bo-Katan character more than Din to a degree. But my thing is, arguably, like, Din took more of a back. Din and Grogu took a backseat to her character a lot in this season. And it's like. If you're gonna do a Bo-Katan show, just do a show about Bo. Honestly, like do another do another season of this, like with Bo leading the Mandalorians or something. So, I don't know. I just thought it was kind of strange how they did some of the stuff with Din. Like you said, it felt like he was taking a back seat a lot, and then like he, you know, he's going back doing like the bounty hunting stuff where like I thought he was getting away from it. Like you know, when he got the Naboo starfighter, like he, I'm pretty Mm -hmm. sure he talked about like moving on from that sort of stuff, and then he's back into it. So it's just Mm -hmm. like. It's just like what is going on? Like, I don't know. It felt like this season was all over the board on some of the story plots for the yeah. characters mm-hmm. as a whole, honestly. So like that was kinda of like my take on Din and Grogu. And then of course, like we mentioned, we needed more Grogu, like cute Grogu stuff this season.
0: Yeah, I would say that the the season was lacking depth in story and in characters in general. I katan this was her season this could have been called the book of Bo-Katan for all we know and it would have been just as effective right i I really feel like it's great that we have like this through line of bringing her into season two then bringing her back in season three and giving her this huge role standing besides Pedro Pascal or at least beside his voice or whatever but that was 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 really neat getting that storyline but again it just felt like everything else kind of took a backseat. It was like, okay, season, or episode two, we had gone into the minds of Mandalore. I was like, oh my gosh, they've they've already dealt with the Mandalore storyline, and then we, little did we know we were going back there to completely take it over. But, yeah, it felt like it was missing something again, like that Imperial remnant, and this could have been due to the New Republic, the High Republic, or not the High Republic, uh, Rangers of the New Republic not being a show anymore. I just would yep. hopefully. I would like to think that the reason why this felt a little weird to season is because they were smashing two things together and by well, season think about four, the maybe. Episode. Yeah, the Pershing episode. That
1: that that was one. I like. I don't care what John John says. Like when we do the behind the scenes thing, the Pershing episode was definitely a Rangers of the New Republic one. Cut mm-hmm. off the Mando stuff, at the beginning and end, and insert Carson Tiva and in investigating that stuff. Like. It would have been. That was a Rangers episode. It had to have been, like.
0: Yeah. Uh, yep. 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 I agree with that. Um, I do. Th- yeah. I ahead. do
1: think though with this season, like, um, I just think there was some odd choices on, like, you know, of course we're working with like the potential Rangers, um, putting in there with Ranger the Rangers stuff, but I think like. I'm not sure um, where you would put it, Chris, but like the episode that ends with Gideon breaking out, that should have been like the third episode, I think, like to lead to just to have that going in the background versus like what was it the fifth? I think, like it should have been earlier on. I I feel like just because it's like I don't know, it just it just seems like they really should have picked up the pace on a lot of the stuff with with the Empire and with the even with the mandalorians to an extent we needed more we needed more empire and mandos
0: yeah i thought it was funny how it's like if he ends up being a clone then you go you you have the situation where he he magically broke out of the prison ship and now he's magically back alive again cuz you killed his clone and not his real self it's like how many lives does this guy have you know yeah hey i
1: mean they might start off season four with a little a little title crawl like episode nine somehow Gideon returns. Oh my god! <laughs> it's like um, it, this
0: is gonna be like the um, the upcoming Marvel series or something like that the scrolls. It's just like you yeah. you got so many of these same type of dudes just everywhere. I don't know clone yeah. conspiracy. I don't know. It's crazy. I you never know with Star Wars. I mean, I mean. Hey, hey, they might they might do a
1: meta thing. Maybe maybe Din tells Bo Katan somehow Gideon has returned Bo. Like, you know,
0: they oh put it right in the gosh.
1: R- right in the show. Um Yeah, and like I think another thing too to throw out there with this season, it felt like like some of the episodes were so good, like the action, like this finale, the action was so good. And then like the pirate episode, all the action was so yeah. good. Mm-hmm. And then You know, we go from some of that to, like, the Jack Black and Lizzo, like, buddy cop thing. That's, like, again, that episode, in my opinion, is fine if it's the second episode of this season. Like, you know, because you throw in one random, just, clunker, like, side mission episode. We we about have one of these side mission episodes every season. But why not just put it in at the beginning versus the sixth? So, I think there was some weird episode orders. And I just think... Yeah, I think those were some of the major weaknesses. I do think some of the major positives, though, maybe maybe to like throw some positive positives out there about the season. Anyways, I I really enjoyed the Mandalorian stuff that we got, even though there wasn't a lot, a lot of it, a lot as as much as I would prefer. I really enjoyed the Mando stuff we got. I really liked. The episode where we got the whole training sequence, I really liked that one, where they were training on the beach and everything, Grogu was fighting the kid, <laughs> you know, it was the pterodactyl episode where, where the kid gets swiped, Paz's kid gets swiped. I really liked that episode just because you got to see, like, the Mandalorians actually training, like, you know, why are they such good warriors? Oh, now we're actually getting to watch them train. Mm-hmm. And we get we get Grogu training, which I thought was pretty cool.
0: Yeah, we have uh Dark saying in the chat, I would like to see more of the New Republic being undermined, like a reverse mirror to contrast with Andor it would be sweet to have more of. Yeah, I think it's mm. I think it's cool because we gotta build that up. I mean, why in the sequel trilogy was the the first order so just upset like you hear the 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 uh speech by Hux, like the hell yep. did the New Republic do besides replace the the Empire? Like, why are they so bad? Now we're seeing firsthand it's like yeah, the New Republic are lazy. They don't want to go above and beyond. It's just a bad example for leadership in a galaxy that has so many people and so many different ideologies and 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 things. And, and, and they're just like non-involved. It's it's, it's bureaucracy has not have gotten much better uh, since the Empire. Yeah, there but there's there's lots of great in this season. Like you said, I would say one of the highest is definitely the visual effects. Definitely the pipeline of the technology they were able to use to give us, you know, dozens of TIE Interceptors, TIE Bombers destroying places, like just great Star Wars moments that um, that stand up there with the movies. And, and, and this is a chapter of Star Wars that's going to be in books like Star Wars Timelines, of course, and it's going to be a footnote in the history where we're going to be like, okay, this is the Mandalorian resurgence or something like that
1: oh yeah it is it, it it's a nice like this season has a nice um you know you'll you'll get those like footnotes from this season like mandalorian resurgence maybe down the road hey maybe we get a thing with bo like the mythosaur breaking loose and like you know so this will be like the first like, you know, maybe in, like, the next timeline book, when they do it in five years from now or something, like, when they update it, like, maybe in the next one, they'll mark it, at, you know, for this point in time, first, first live sighting of the Mythosaur, bo mm. and, you know what I mean? Like, you know, like, like, a, like finding a new species, like, it'll be, like, yeah. first live sighting of a Mythosaur. Like, I yeah. think I could see something like that happening. Um, so I think there's some cool, like, out-of-show implications like that in terms, of, like, the books and things. And then um, I do like that this season actually brought in battle droids. I really like that. That is something to throw out there because it's cool just getting, like, the battle droids callbacks. Like, anytime we get, like, clone troopers randomly thrown in shows. Like, the one I always I always remember is the one from Kenobi. That was always so cool, seeing that clone on the street. Like, you know, those type of, like, callbacks where we get, like, the clones, the droids. Like, those type of things I think are all really, really... Um, really neat parts of star wars i would say
0: yeah yeah so so wrapping it up i would give this season season a seven out of ten this is this is the lowest of the seasons for me uh there wasn't enough oomph to it uh great great battles and all but just not a lot of meat on the bones for the characters that i care most about that you know those are the the poster characters din and grogu uh, I wanted to see a little bit more although the season did end in a, in a very good way that could go further or stay the same what about you Ben yeah I, I would agree like I think I think the
1: season as a whole it just it has too many like weird choices has some ups and downs like it just this season really felt like a roller coaster to me it was just like we would we'd be like having some really awesome times and then Instead of going over the hill, we're just like going off the tracks, you know, like, like it just, it just felt like where it was all over the place. Um, so for me, I don't know. I feel like the good thing is, at least with this season being the weakest for me, I think the only, I think the biggest, brightest point coming out of the season is the arrow can only go up from here. Um, I would say this season, I went into this thinking, thinking about my score. Um, Earlier this afternoon and what i would give it and i would say like i had a, I had it wrote down earlier i was giving it a seven as well i think i think seven's fair it's 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 fine like like to me you know we're in season three amando like we should be getting big hard-hitting impactful episodes you know throw in one side mission out of eight episodes because yeah. there's always going to be a side mission no matter what no matter what show it is like it doesn't matter what show it is there's always something like some type of wacky weird slow fast whatever side mission there's always one so throwing a side mission but there should have been more impactful things and then i think the thing is with this show it's just like i don't know it just felt like they like you know it's so hard to compare to season two because there were so many awesome moments mm. You know, you get the Luke moment, which is arguably like the best moment, the best moment of the Disney era, in my opinion. Like you get, you get that, and then you go to this season. Like, like I don't like to like crack jokes about it because it's like it's it's whatever people cameoing, but you go from Luke to Jack Black, like, like that. That's what gets me, and it's just like I wish. I'm not a person either that out here like petitions for cameos all the time because I think that's what's plaguing Marvel. Like that's hurting Marvel's films big time, I think. So like my thing with it is I think they should up the cameos a little bit more to actual like bigger cameos like like the Shadow Council scene. That was perfect. Like they were that wasn't we weren't getting like Palpatine sitting there or something. We were getting notable imperial officers. Just give us stuff like that. To wet our appetites versus these characters we don't know like christopher lloyd and the other the other crew people from that like just give us some cameos that mean something like like season season two of mando you know we had like boba introduced of course you, you don't even have to explain him but like Bo Katan, they they introduced her and ahsoka they introduced them in such a good way Where even for the general audience members, you can get, oh, this is a former Mandalorian chick. Oh, this is a former Jedi. Like, you don't have to watch a bunch of stuff. Like, they did a good job of doing that. And I just don't know why they went away from, like, that formula. Because there are plenty of instances in this season where they could introduce characters that we all know, like the hardcore fans know, into the season. And they chose not to. Like, I think, I think the easiest example is the one I think, you know, we've petitioned for, for so long in this podcast. And, I mean, some of my other friends have talked about it. But why not have that pirate be Hondo or something? Like, you know, like, why not that? Like, it could yeah. be fun. Like, like in, give Hondo an opportunity to be in, can- in, in live action with pirates versus just these random pi- pirates we don't know. Like, I just think they need to amp up the cameos a little more versus just scaling completely off of them because you you can't unwalk it like when you walk out luke and boba and bo katan and ahsoka you can't walk that back like the cat's out of the bag at that point
0: yeah that's you can't you can't walk it back can't walk it back oh man so i mean this is this is far from the end of the mandalorian talk um this special will be getting oh, yeah. we'll be getting Milton's Milton's thoughts on it hopefully next week when we get back to our normal time. Um but yeah, yeah, so seven from me and seven from you for this season of yep. the Mandalorian. So this is the moment maybe some of you have been waiting for. We're gonna talk some Star Wars Jedi Survivor. It came out technically yesterday at this point. <laughs> we are now On to the next day here, Saturday, April 29th. Um, But yeah, we are going to get into it. I have some footage. I have about 16 minutes of footage or so. So if you guys are sensitive to spoilers, uh, maybe just listen and don't actually look at the live stream. Uh, But it's stuff within the first like hour or two. So um, there are big reveals. I got to say that. there There's some moments for me where I was like, oh crap, that happened already in this game? This is crazy. Uh, so I have a whole list <laughs> of things that I just made notes of in the first three hours of the game. Um, so without further ado, here we go. I'm going to turn on the next uh, screen here and it's going to, um, hopefully play. Uh oh, play, play, play. <laughs> Media source play. Hmm.
1: Well, while you're clicking that, let me ask you this. So, um, to even start off our Jedi fall, our Jedi Survivor discussion, so how is the feel of the game, going from the first game to the second game, you know, how would you... Do you feel like they made a smooth transition? Like, they, of course, they updated, they added new features and things to the game, but do you feel like it's a it's a proper transition? Like, you know, you could pick up the controller from the first game and go to the next game and have a pretty good transition, and, like... The overall controls and the movement of cal and the movement of, of the characters like does that how how's the feel of the game to you
0: oh yeah i feel of the game is perfect uh what i will say is it actually hold on let me try to do this real quick you're good uh, play oh my gosh i guess i gotta figure out the kinks still oh uh, yeah yeah <laughs> play media source play media source why aren't you playing? Why aren't you playing? Uh, oh, there we go, there we go, there we go. Okay, now now it should be working. You can see us on here as I'm playing the game, or as I was previously playing the game. Um, I'm going to try to bring up the chat so I can see what you guys are saying at the same time. It should be... Okay, I think it's working now. Yes, it's working now. Okay, cool. Yep. Uh, so, yes. Uh, great, great way to start it up. So, that's what I was worried about with this game, right? With this game, I was worried about they were going to gimp the power of Calcasas. Like you're going to you're going to start the game. Oh, you would have to do a, a test to get the Force Push. Or you would have to do a test to get your do- double blade lightsaber. Nope, it starts you right off. Like it, like the first combat sequence, it's like, you know, press right trigger for your Force Push, hold it for groups of enemies, then you know, block. Uh, block with this button and do this to the so you do you automatically have your force powers you have your single-blade lightsaber you have your double-blade lightsaber and It reminds me a lot of the force unleashed too because at one point you get a mind control which is huge mm. you Get a mind control or like a mind trick I should say where you can literally have like a scout trooper like starting to fight its own guys so it, it's oh, wow. really it's really useful because like there's a lot of crowds in this game like of enemies you could have like five or six at a time so you could just like always like crowd control like one guy and then start hitting the other people so like there's there's a lot of cool stuff like that's also inputted. now they have a specific uh, they have a new layout for like the, the the force slow it's like you have to hit both sticks down at the same time to use that because now your your right bumper. Actually controls oftentimes uh, a couple different things, um, including your companion's abilities. So now there's a companion, um, basically with uh, this bode bow here guy. Uh, he's he's pretty cool. You'll see him in this. You'll see him in this footage here. Uh, but like the AI has their own their own uh, cognition and everything like like they will go they uh, they will take out guys on their own like they he's awesome he takes out his blasters so he'll just like literally take down stormtroopers without me even touching them and then you have mm-hmm. a special move where you can specifically target an enemy and he'll go in and he'll throw like a stun ion grenade to stun them and then he could just go in and start wiping the floor with these guys so That that to me is one of the biggest features of the game is simply the fact that you have characters that will fight with you. At one point you'll see, you have uh, Bode and you have a character that you're with that has a sniper rifle that is like giving you cover fire as you're like Mm. running into the battle and he's like snipe strip sniping scout troopers it's like that stuff didn't exist in fallen order like the most they had in fallen order was your battle in malikos and you have um Marin like every once in a while like using her like dark magic to like stun the guy or whatever she did with them so yeah that's that's a um well that
1: was a that was a feature the whole companion thing that was an interesting feature to me like when we were leading up to it and i was You know, that's literally was one of my questions to you was going to be like, how's the whole companion feature? Because I feel like that'll be a cool aspect to the game like a lot of people will really enjoy just because, you know, I'm sure it'll make certain parts of the game more and more interesting. Like, I'm sure down the road in the game, you'll probably get to a point where you have to use the companion to get past a certain thing like by, you know, telling them to, to do this or that. Like, you know, I'm sure they'll do stuff like that. So it's cool that they're like that they added that aspect to the game versus just, like, you know, keeping it
0: how it was. Yeah. Uh, as far as the tone, like, how the story starts, I love it because it it's like a new hope. It, it jumps you right into the middle of the story. Um, you have Cal Kessis, he's on the, he's on one of the um, oh gosh, it's the LAT, like, Underworld Police like, gunship things flying around Coruscant. And he goes by the Jedi Temple and that's actually the title screen when you're about to get into the game for the first time that's that's the Jedi Temple of course on and he's seeing and, and there's like lines of dialogue where it's like oh yeah that used to be a Jedi Temple now it's converted to the Emperor's Palace and all this crazy stuff. But it was really cool because it it, it jumps you right into the story and you're not you're not really sure what's going on and I won't really spoil it although maybe the footage might spoil it but um, for audio listeners at least like just know that it's it's got that that Star Wars flavor where it's like you start off that story in the middle of the action just like finding out as you go along what the situation actually is um at one point we just passed by in the footage where you meet the senator and you're on Corsa in the underworld. And so I already get like, dude, it, like just the fact that I'm playing in the Corsa underworld, I literally started yelling like, at the TV, the monitor. I was like, this is my game. Like I've been wanting to play a game where I'm in this Corsa underworld. Like this is it. And you're like, it reminds me, like, Cal reminded me a lot of Luke Skywalker approaching Jabba in, in Jabba's palace. Like, like Cal is so confident. You can actually hear the, the subtle change in his voice. Like, he has gotten older. His voice is more gruff. He's he's definitely more grizzled. He's got scar new scars, right? He, he's got a beard. He's got shorter hair now. So, he's got a different outfit. So, it's, like, really neat. And he's even got a whole new crew now, too. He's got a whole new crew of characters, that have a lot of rapport with him. That you that you like start to like get a lot of backstory on just within the first hour. Um, one of them being a Bodakuna, or however his last name is pronounced. So that to me was was pretty cool. Just a story and just the feel like this is this is Star Wars. This is quintessential Star Wars storytelling going on right here in a video game.
1: Oh yeah, well that, well that's the most important thing when it comes to these games is them finding. A way to like give you give us as players something new but also something that feels familiar so you know driving past the the temple and you know them mentioning it's like palpatine's palace like you know those type of little things like that gives you the star wars feel versus you just driving by flying by a generic building or something you know yeah it's like it's like those type of little details I think are always like the most important things in star Wars games. Like, you know, we got that in the Lego games we got in the battlefront games, like you know, <laughs> little details like that, that make it really feel special. You know, that's, a, that's a big aspect I always enjoy. Um, oh. and then I think one thing, you know, now that, now that we're like talking about like the flying around Coruscant part, like the underworld, um, you know, another question really that begs that, that, um, I, I was going to bring up is, how are the visuals of it? Because, oh you know, from the, from the trailers, from the the other gameplay we've seen, like, the visuals look good, but, like, how is it, like, you know, actually, when you're playing it on screen, where you can,
0: like, pan and look around and stuff, like, how is that, like, <laughs> looking? They have, uh, they have gone above and beyond, because when I first got into the game, all right, first of it, I, I gotta backtrack. So I'm playing it on Steam, and I damn near had a freaking fit at, like, 6.30 in the morning, because I... I go to boot up the game. I'm messing with my capture software, which obviously you guys still see as we're doing the stream. It's a bit of a a work in progress just with the stream itself with the video call. So I'm trying to get footage that, luckily, now you're watching it, it worked, but I couldn't launch the game. Like, I straight up would go to Steam, hit play, and nothing would happen. I'm like, oh, you gotta be joking me because I was planning on playing last night at like 12 o'clock, and of course... I preloaded the game. I pre-downloaded it. But then it had to, like, I guess, like, install the f- the files. And that was going to yep. take another, like, 30, 40 minutes. I said, you know what? Let me just go to sleep, get up early. So I got up early. And then the game just straight up wouldn't work. And I had to, like, because f- the problem is Steam goes through, like, the EA app on PC. Yep. And the EA app was, like, out of date or something. It was a common problem. I just, like, Googled it. So anyway, I I, I fixed that. So I was able to get through that um but then when i finally got into the game i was like uh, absolutely amazed because i have a pretty decent computer rig like if you look up my specs my specs fall under like i should be able to play this in 4k i don't have ray tracing on it just because i'd rather have like the 60 fps instead of 30 because i don't know if my pc would even be able to handle anything less but that was awesome the first experience of opening up the game And seeing how far this has come, because remember, everybody, this game is only available on PS5, Xbox Series S and X, and PC. I have a lot of buddies of mine. One of them is Chris that was in here earlier that called me (laughs) up earlier today saying, hey, is this game... (laughs) Why can't I play the game? I can't download the game on Xbox One. I'm like, dude, you can't play it on Xbox One. We have come to the point where the technology has gotten so much more in-depth that we got to actually... get this thing on a a higher console right you can't it it needs an ssd It needs a solid state drive you gotta have the graphic and the processor capability of rendering the much larger worlds but going back to your question again i keep going back like the visuals just saying say like the smoke effects the lighting effects all the little details like i'm looking through coruscant at one point on here and I'm just staring at the skyline because I'm in, in in the underworld. You're on like level two thousand one hundred or something like that, which is still like way far down. And I'm just looking at the sky, and it's just I'm I'm seeing the Skyline traffic just going through mm. it. It's just absolutely like it. It's mesmerizing. Like how good this is the best looking Coruscant underworld we've ever seen, and that's with yeah. live action.
1: <laughs> yeah, I was I was wondering how the Coruscant um, underworld and like just the vibe of Coruscant would be, you know, with the new, like you said, with the fact that it's all next-gen systems, um, and then just, it just being a newer game. I mean, the other game came out in, what, 20... 2019. 19? So that means they would have been making it in 2018, so that, you know, potentially, like, five, six years ago was when they were in development with the first game. You know, it's came such a long way since then, I'm sure. So it's good to hear, like that about Coruscant on already and you know that's just like the beginning of the game.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah. Um as we're watching the footage here, I just gotta point out that they literally did it. They put the Inquisitor helicopter blade animation in the game. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta go back it's and watch hilarious. it, Ben. It's like it's it's just now as we're talking, they just one of the inquisitors, I won't say who in case you don't want to know who it is, but obviously I you would think there's inquisitors in the game. But <laughs> there's one little, it's like a blink and you miss it moment where this inquisitor jumps out of a gunship and uses the, the, the oh yeah I saw blade. it. Yep. <laughs> yep. But yeah, it's, it, the traversal. The traversal in the game has gotten way better as I'm watching. Like there's multiple grapple points. You actually have a grapple hook in the game, which is really neat. It's not used on enemies. You just kind of jump. And then attach it to certain areas. Not every not every surface you can use it on. Only special surfaces. So that that's another thing there. Um, the twin blades. I love the twin blades because the twin blades don't have a, f- a heavy force attack. What they have for the force ability is you like levitate your two sabers in front of you, and at that point you start automatically blocking like and and anything that hits you. It's insane. Oh, that's cool. It's insane, and then and then of course like the double blade is meant to be for like really good like uh, ricocheting of blaster fire and like crowds of enemies, and I guess just like the single blade is meant to be more or less just like your traditional standard all around like good ability like swinging. And there's still two, yeah, two more forms. Yeah, yeah. There's still two more forms. You still got your cross gates, your cross guard. Lightsaber that you're supposed to get eventually, and you're sp- still supposed to get the um, the blaster slash saber combo, which I'm really looking forward to trying out because I I haven't even seen that on any videos of how that even looks because they've been hiding that one. They've been keeping that that form under wraps even though they they said it's there. They they haven't showed it yet. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah,
1: this game looks really good. I'm I'm watching the 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 uh, the clip right now, and it looks really good. Like the movement of Cal and Just the way he, like, swings the lightsaber and everything and just the overall, um, the shadows, too, I noticed, like, it's not, because, you know, sometimes when games have, like, shadows or darker areas, it's just, like, solid black and, like, you know, the shadows are (laughs) actual shadows and not just, like, just not just junk, like, where it's just solid black screen, like, it's actually, like, little shadows and, like, details and stuff, so it's cool that they, that they put in,
0: um... This many details into this into this sequel. This, this game I must say, like this game must have higher production values than some of the Disney Plus series. Like I'm just am watching this sequence right now with starfighters flying around and it's like the way they edit and they cut, it's like a freaking movie. And I'm like, oh my yep. gosh, like this is insane. So um the customization as we're watching this right now, the customization is absolutely insane. Like if you gotta go back and watch this segment, you're like Look at what I'm doing with BD1 right now. BD1 is almost unrecognizable. I have like this different kind of like, I have BD1 with all of his panels like completely off, and he's just like all the robotics and no yep. like paneling. And then you can go and you can change every type of possible like metal in Star Wars, like chromium, Duracele, and you can like age it to be like super new or like ancient or in- anywhere in between that. Uh, so, pretty, pretty neat there. Right now I'm fighting on Kubo, which is where you f- you find the separatist droids. You find the battle droids, and as I said earlier in the episode, I knew I was going to come back to it. And uh, I'm talking about it that th- right now at the same part actually, uh, the B1 battle droids, voiced by Matthew Wood. It's so cool. I got my my Phantom Menace vibes of that PlayStation One game taking these guys down. Nope. but like there's moments in the game where I'm like I'm just like. Crouched like hanging off a ledge, and there's a battle droid just talking to himself, and he's like so mm-hmm. proud of what he's doing, and he's like, "Yeah, I'm just standing here. No one's ever gonna bother me." And I just let him talk, and then I just like eventually mo- cut him down to on one saber. And he's, and then Cal is basically like, "Yeah, they talk way too much." <laughs> <laughs> That's great. It's it's cool getting
1: like those type of like little details, you know, when um, like you said, if you're hiding, if you're hanging off something, you're hiding around a corner. Like you'll you'll have those interactions happening like naturally versus just like you yeah. know them being them being triggered by you knocking something over or something. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. And 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 uh, right now I'm running through and I'm I'm basically uh, customizing Cal a little bit more. Like you could take different clothing, um, you could change facial hair, regular hair, uh, BD one. Now when you go to Kobo, which is like your open world. Basically, planet that you're gonna go back to—that's where your ship like gets repairs and stuff. Um, You could actually take out BD1 as a like binoculars, and you could actually mark places on the map where you can go back to. Uh, Oh, interesting! Yeah, that's that's a cool feature. It's really cool. Yeah, the the map is um, vast, and and the map is a lot better than the first map in the game, Uh, the map from the first game, because you could actually like see like where you've been. As far yeah. as like making it easier to like track down collectibles, well, that, all that stuff. That's a
1: that's a thing I heard going into this game that the navigation is supposed to be easier, or um, you know, they were talking. I heard people talking about that, like the navigation was supposed to be more simple or something than maybe like the first game. because um, even then in the first game when I played it, I feel like. You know, I beat the first game, but it felt like sometimes in some of the levels, it I felt like I was like really walking around, like trying to like find my way. And like, does it feel like the navigation in that regard is maybe a little easier, or how? How are you? Yeah, since the
0: map's updated. Yeah. Yes, and no. I I will say like there's still like it's not gonna spell it out for you unless you put there might there's there's actually some really good accessibility uh methods in the game, and they said they're gonna even Mm -hmm. add more. Like they have um ways of, I think, pointing out things to you a lot easier if oh. you're confused and stuff like that. No. They even have, like, I haven't even tried it out yet, but they have something called, like, slow mode. So I think, like, whenever you go into combat, if you're, like, if you're, you know, physically or mentally impaired, like, they have a mode where like, slows down the combat so you mm. can, like, easily, like, react if you, like, want to just get through the story or whatever. Um, mm. They even have an arachnophobia mode. <laughs> so, like, I've I seen this in the Microsoft game Grounded where, like, you know people are freaked out by spiders and you could actually like change the way that model looks so it looks like something that's not a spider even though it's still an enemy that you fight like it won't look like a spider to you if you're like super freaked out by that sort of thing
1: yeah that's that's cool that they added those little features i know when i saw that arachnophobia mode i was like (laughs) what in the world like i've never heard of something (laughs) like that but i mean it makes sense though because some people are really like
0: really terrified over
1: spiders so it makes
0: sense mm-hmm yeah yeah so I, I i mean i'm looking through grapple hook um i feel like All right. yeah oh go on now i feel like there's a lot more heart there's a lot more character in the story because um i don't want to give anything away obviously but like there's a moment when you go on a stinger mantis and and you're like looking back at the good times and and you and you see like Cal's in a is he's in a rough place like he's throwing himself in with with Saul Guerrero's people. And he's very much like in a mercenary um kind of way of life right now. He's he's not with Marin, he's not with Sarah, he's not with Grease, Dritus. He's he's just on his own, but he's got this crew that's that's doing this job. And it's it's interesting just seeing his reaction to to events that play out, especially in this first this first like two or three hours of the story. Of okay, this is gonna be Something that's gonna be really profound by the end of it. Cause I I've not even scratched the surface. I literally mm-hmm. I literally just got to like the first planet. You start off on Coruscant, which is just great. I mean, come on, just like give me my favorite like location right off the bat. I'm I'm a happy camper.
1: <laughs> oh yeah. Now now with you, have they have you gotten to the have you gotten into the game yet where have they started to establish like who your main villain or um like the person like the main you know your main threats will be have you got to that point yet in the game or is it more just like you're still you know getting through like the earlier stages of the game um you know or have you
0: found that threat yet without any spoilers i guess i haven't really found it yet
1: Mm. uh basically Mm. what
0: happens is you go to you go to um what is it, Koba? Uh, you're a corsair. You get damaged. Your ship gets damaged. You got to get repairs. You go down to Kobo. and that is where your port, your your safe port is, or at least you think it's safe. But like, I, I've already ran into these guys called the Bedlam Raiders, who are the ones that reprogram the the old B one and B two battle droids, and they're they're just kind of mucking about, and you're trying to get your your stuff together i know you know from the trailers you have that high republic jedi or at least i think he's a high republic jedi so uh i i feel like that's gonna be the big the big bad in this one yeah that's what or I was maybe he's well. gonna, or maybe he's gonna even be an ally you never know i mean you've seen Marin in the in the first game she was very much an enemy and then she becomes uh A compatriot of yours. Oh, another thing I have to know. Another thing, because I've watched it happen about five or six times throughout this playthrough. Now we have now looped through the footage. We're playing again, Um, (laughs) (laughs) which means it's been about twenty minutes of me talking shit about this game, which is pretty fun. Um, Because the more (laughs) I watch this, the more I can pick certain things out. There is so much dismemberment in this game. I remember people were crying. (laughs) <laughs> about the first game they were making it known to respawn like we want dismemberment on human noise not just on droids and now like it yep. reminds me this is where i was saying this reminds me of the jedi knight 2 jedi outcast because in that game you'd be fighting like these dark jedis and you would just slice off their hands but like, it's pretty just dis- you know watching this footage right now I'm- oh yeah here's another thing um just like a little cannon canon thing, which I love. You start off the game and you're getting escorted by the underworld police that are seen very oh, briefly cool. in the Clone Wars. Yeah, those guys with the the unique helmets, the, the, the glowing yep. like eye socket things, like those guys. Mm-hmm. And then then they're delivering you to the senator and, and the senator's guards are the very blink and you miss it troopers from Solo, from the Corellia that have like, they're the ones that have like the they kind of have like the shore trooper looking type of armor with a, the stormtrooper helmet. They have like, um, they ride their speeders. They might be called like a patrol trooper or something like that. But like, you got those guys. I, I was just wiping the floor with them right now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. It's,
1: it's cool getting like those little connections to cannon versus like them just making straight up all yeah. new like troopers, you know?
0: Like, I could see already like there's so many new additions to the toys and the miniature yep. games that I play. And just in the first three hours, I'm like, well, they could add this to the game. They could add this to Hasbro's toy line. They can make this a new ship that you could put in this game. Like, there's so much added stuff here that it's just... I can't even wait to see what's beyond. Like, Because all we've seen in the trailers is basically Kobo and a little bit of this Coruscant mission. and That's it. I, I have been, like hardcore on not looking at any articles Not even if I see Jedi Survivor on my feed or on Facebook or Twitter, I automatically just scroll right past it. I don't want to see nothing. Um, So, so far that's been good. I've not been spoiled. Apparently there was leaks earlier in the week about the game and I'm like, good, I dodged those. I'm happy about that. From what I can understand, um, everybody's really happy with the game that has played it so far. I haven't really seen too much today i've been very busy outside of playing a game uh with with uh job and real life stuff tonight as we're recording it is now past one o'clock in the morning so this is uh, this is for me to be this excited to talk about a freaking video game <laughs> must mean something good for you guys here because i mean i i would be in bed three hours ago if it was my choice but <laughs> because <laughs> yeah. i also did not get much sleep because i was playing this game. I got up incredibly early in the morning to start playing this game before work just so I could have something to talk about with you guys tonight. Yeah,
1: that makes sense. Now um so now with this game, how is the how's like the music soundtracks in the game? Are they pretty good or oh, just like normal? Oh, great. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. They actually had. I was watching the celebration stream which I finally watched all Four days worth. I've, I, that's my tradition. I'll come back from celebration, and I'll watch like the whole thing minus the panels that I've seen. Obviously, I'll skip those. Yep. But the um, composer for this game was on the live stage at some point, mm-hmm. and yeah. So, so it's really cool. He's back again for this game, and I love Cal's theme. Like that's something I meant. I, 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 yep. I noticed right away. I noticed right away. Um, another thing that's not part of the game that I've played. I mean. Uh, let me word that again. An- another thing that they have announced on their website is they already have a photo mode at launch, which is great, because I don't think that was at launch with... I might be wrong. Maybe it was at launch. um. But anyway, they have a really cool photo mode, um, which is a lot of fun. I played around. That's actually what my thumbnail is from. I did not actually like modify much. I literally just like took a screenshot. I was like, all right, this is our thumbnail for the episode this week. But... They also announced, which is a big deal for a lot of people, myself included, that they have a new game plus mode that is launching literally with the game. So as soon as you beat the game once, you can go back, have all your force abilities, all that stuff, which is gonna be great for like a streaming playthrough. Like that's you know? if I if I go to stream the game, which probably will happen at some point, or at least I'll do walkthroughs somehow. I'm going to probably just do the new game plus mode and just like blow through the story with like every force power unlocked or whatever, you know what I mean? Because that would mean, I guess you could keep more getting more skill points to unlock because I haven't even got, I've gotten a couple force powers. Like now you can upgrade your each of your lightsaber abilities by specific stance. So if you really like your single blade stance, you could prioritize that first. If you want to focus more on the force, you could do that. You could do like your mind control builds or you could do your um, telekinetic builds or you could do like your straight up stamina, your stims for your survival so there's a lot of customization just for that and then then I believe they were saying in a trailer on IGN or something like there's another thing called perks that I haven't even gotten to in a game by going into these like Jedi Temple things and you complete them and then your perks actually uh, modify certain abilities that you have to make them specifically unique so um that on top of customizing the the the, the, um stuff with the looks but the new game plus mode will allow you there's like three different things it's like one of them it makes cal really really tough to like he can put out a lot of damage but then the enemies also put out a lot of damage um you could also Mm -hmm. enable something where every time you die it like automatically shuffles cal's appearance and bd1's oh, appearance cool. so that would be a really fun one for a stream or a recording on youtube like hey what am i gonna be this time oh wow look at i have a mullet and a long ass beard for calcestis for until i die yeah so it's like that would be a really fun fun one for people to watch so um, oh yeah that's that's cool that adds a bit of um
1: replayability into it like that's the important thing with games like this or any games really you know after you beat the game, you want a reason to go back and actually play it again. Like, like Lego's always had a good track record yeah. of, of doing that because you have to play the game twice to beat everything at mm-hmm. minimum. You have to play it twice. So, like, it's cool that they added in the, like these extra like the plus features where, you know, it just spices up the game a little more so it it'll it'll allow the game to continue to be more replayable than just like play through the story and then never play it again or something.
0: Yeah, and I was already going to say that this game has a lot of replayability just from the fact alone that you have five stances and you can only select two stances at a time. What I mean by that is like, you have to go, I think, to a meditation point. So if you wanted to, you know, switch out your single blade for, let's say the cross guard you'd have to specifically go to a meditation point which by the way which by the way now have fast travel points so you could actually go to a meditation point and then fast travel instantly to another one that you've unlocked already. Oh, that's so cool. that's, I just that's found really that really nice. This is what I mean. This is why this game is a sequel that every other game should aspire to be is they've literally not changed the formula. They've only enhanced and added the formula. For instance like a really quick Easy thing I, ex- I can explain right now that is just a very like quality of life thing. So in the first game, you used to have to climb by, like, holding the left trigger and then jumping on, like, a climbable object. And if you let go of the left trigger, your guy would just fall off the thing. That doesn't even exist anymore. You don't even have to do that. You just jump onto an object. He automatically sticks until you jump yeah, off. Yeah, that
1: would drive me crazy in the first game when I was playing it. Yes. I like I, Dude, like, the, the times when you had to climb and stuff yep. with him... I literally did that over and over again and I didn't realize it. like when I was first playing through it, you know, I, I, I guess I didn't pay any mind to the directions cause you know, you're just playing through and like, I literally just kept like falling and I'm like, oh my gosh, like what is wrong? And it's cool that they like <laughs> fixed that in this game where you don't have to worry about
0: that. Yeah. Yeah. So, so that, that was a lot of fun there. Um I just keep. Keep watching I can watch this footage all day and just keep saying more stuff about it. Um, but I think I've I've covered everything. At this point, I'm probably gonna just start narrating what I'm watching. <laughs> and, and like like for instance, like, oh my gosh, like the guy Bodakuna just straight up like looked like Django Fett because he was just jumping up as my companion with his jetpack. And he so, used his dual pistols and shot this guy dead. And I'm like, oh, this is just the kind of stuff I was looking for. You know, like Like, say what you will about Mandalorian Season 3. Say what you will about Andor. Say what you will about the High Republic, which I absolutely love, but when it comes to Star Wars, like, Jedi, the Star Wars Jedi franchise, since 2019 has been my, like, very favorite Star Wars to date. And to have this amount of hype going into this thing, and for it to somehow exceed the crazy amount of hype, I'm just going to put this out there. I know I'm a crazy man for saying this, but the trajectory for where this game is going, this is going to be better than the first game, which means this will probably be, this will be the best Star Wars game I've ever played Mm. if it continues to be this way. (laughs) Oh, yeah, it's It's definitely going to
1: keep trending up. I mean, it's so popular, and they're in a perfect time, though, right now, like we mentioned, where there's not a lot of Star Wars stuff going on other than this game. So it's not like they're distracted by, like, Oh, we have three episodes left of Mando or Andor or Ahsoka or whatever. This this game can just basically shine on its own. Yeah, and I
0: like that because it was going to originally come out in a deluge of all the other things. It was going to come out before Celebration. It was going to come out during Bad Batch, during Mando. So it's kind of like, well, crap. It was going like, to be six weeks ago gonna... It because it got yeah. delayed six weeks. So it would yeah. have been six weeks ago. And it would have been... I wouldn't say it was Lost in a Shuffle. In fact, this, this I, I could have seen article. I, I already see the articles in my head. This game is better than Mandalorian and Bad Batch. This game is a better story yep. than everything else this year. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. I hate to say it, but it's looking that way already. Just from the emotional punches it pulled already in the first hour as I was playing, I was like, damn, there's some feels and emotion behind this game already. Like, they are not pulling any punches already on this game. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Now, how, um, so I know you mentioned,
1: I, I was going to ask you earlier, too, when, you're, when you were mentioning, like, you know, cutting people's hands off and those yeah. type of things. How is, like, the environment, like, interaction, um, like the actual environment, like, can you, like, destroy stuff? Or, like, how's the, um, you know, like, I don't know. Can you like force push a tree over, or a, I don't know, a building? Like, like, how is your you know overall environmental stuff? Can you can you pick up like a a crate, and throw it at stormtroopers
0: and stuff? Like, um, you um, probably can, but I've been pretty bad with the force powers. I'm not gonna lie. Like, mm. I've just been so. This is the best lightsaber combat you'll see in a video game. I, mm. It's like, and I've just been like trying to get better at that. Like, and even have an no. added feature at the meditation zones. You could actually have training at the meditation zone. So you can go in and you could go, you go into like an alternate reality in like your mind. And it basically um, has just like a training tactics for parrying and dodging and stuff like that. So I've just been trying to get better at the saber combat. And sometimes I forget that I have the force. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I'm just like, oh, sense. okay. Um, yeah, that's right. I got to, I could still force pull and force push and, and all that <laughs> kind of thing. But, um but no i i haven't seen if i could pull objects and push them i probably can i think you could in the first game right but i was gonna say you could in the first game yeah 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 yeah. but as far as like knocking stuff down like you can't really do that although i've had fun and you could see it in two different instances in the gameplay loop um of me like running and force pushing a trooper down like an endless chasm that that is so satisfying and it's so easy to do, especially with the B1 Battle Droid. I I kind I forced push the B1 Battle Droid, and I just watched him fall about 500 feet yelling. It was like, oh, this is no. perfect. Um, Oh, another thing I forgot to mention, when you first start up the game, they have a really cool, like, um, previously on Fallen Order kind of segment. Oh, and that's I, cool. I gotta commend Respawn for doing that, because there's a lot of sequels that they just... Put you in the story and you're like, wait, I haven't played the game in like nine years, the previous game. Like, what the hell is happening? So you don't have to watch a YouTube video. If you think you gotta catch up, you don't even really need to, because I think they do a great job. And it's a great visual effect of how they do it with the with the damaged Holocron from the first game and, and all the, the 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 big essential things that you need to know are are showcased there. Also, another thing that makes the game really cinematic is anytime you're playing the game, obviously it's full screen. But then when it goes into a cutscene, it literally like shrinks. You know, the the black bars, uh, the letterbox thing comes into play. So I thought that was a really nice like cinematic touch that I haven't seen in a video game because it really makes like this is a cinematic video game we're playing. Like this thing is literally basically a movie um, that you're interacting with um, in that first act so far that I've played.
1: Oh yeah, I mean, hey, that's it's good that it's like really visually pleasing versus not versus just you you know they could have what's the word I'm looking for like like rested on their laurels or whatever you know they could have just copy and pasted like the visuals from the first game and just been like hey you know here's the second game or whatever so it's cool seeing like that they actually like you know amped yeah. up the visuals in yeah, yeah, that yeah. way yeah. cuz you see that with you see that with some games and i mean heck you see that in some shows sometimes like you know, a season would go from a season to a season. And you're like, they didn't amp up anything. And then, like, it's cool that they that they bumped it up from the first game to this one.
0: Yeah, and it's funny because, like, they, they work really hard on this game because, you know, they had to work on brand new hardware. It's not just simply like, oh, we're making this on Xbox One. It's the same generation. We just bump up the deck textures or something. Like, no, they had to work with, like, brand new architecture. And then they're still on unre- they're still using unreal engine 4 which was with the previous game but they're dealing with new hardware. Now this is perhaps and and again I haven't looked in anything so you know take this with a grain of salt but from from the director Stig Asmussen said in an interview with IGN he said you know ultimately this is thought of by of him if this game does well he wants to do a third one. But he yeah. said if he does the third one obviously they're going to use unreal engine 5. Which is the most contemporary, the, the best looking graphics you can get. So, in fact, like if they do three, they're going to have to reinvent themselves for a third time because now they're going to have to learn how to use that new technology. So, like with every game, they are really pushing the envelope with how it is that they are addressing like visuals and gameplay. And oh my gosh, like I'm watching this sequence with, with the Senator and when he has the lightsaber up to Cal. Just looking at the lightsaber effects itself, the way that the blade is just, like, pulsating, like, it just looks so good. Like, jeez! Oh, yeah. It looks amazing! This, like, if you're looking at this from a distance, like, I am, this looks like I'm watching a movie. Like, it almost looks like Uncanny Valley. Like, it's if you're far enough from the screen, this looks like the movie. Oh, yeah. This looks really good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: I really... <laughs> I really do like the lo- the lo- the looks overall in this game just like the way the characters
0: move the lightsabers Yeah the way their faces like the, the um Yep. the cinematics of just like the facial animations are just so lifelike yep. the body structures
1: on them look like really even versus like mm-hmm. you know sometimes sometimes games like you look at characters and like the 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 body model or player model looks off sometimes and mm. like it actually looks like
0: you know like an actual human <laughs> Versus not, <laughs> but what I love about the saber combat is you feel the weight of the saber. Mm. Like when, when, like this this combat scenario, when you first start fighting these the patrol troopers here, like every swing of that saber, you're connecting with them, and it's like, oh my gosh! Like especially when you go see an arm flying out, it's like, oh! <laughs> and the takedowns, oh my gosh, the takedowns are brutal. Like I just spun that guy around, slashed him in the back. It looked like his entire spine. Just collapsed in on himself, like oh my god! Like sometimes I just take these guys out. I'm just like wincing, like ee! oh, oh yeah, just impaled by saber, like wow. Oh yeah, it looks so good. <laughs> um,
1: <laughs> but yeah, gosh. Yeah, um, I don't know how many other questions for you. I don't or not. I I mean I went through all <laughs> my main ones. Do you have <laughs> any? Um, I don't know. Is there actually? I guess I'll ask you this. So, you know, we've we've gone all positive. We're only few, three hours into the game. Are there any tidbits where you're like, oh, "I wish they would have improved this a little or changed this a little"? Like any little negative tidbits that you can even think of so far, or not? I
0: really? <laughs> I really can't think of any. Mm-hmm. Hey, and that's I, good. I like the only thing I had was. The stupid game not working in the beginning and I fixed that problem yeah. so I was like now that I'm playing the game I'm having a great time and and um for me to close it out like I I talk about this sometimes like I got that Star Wars high today like I I was mm. playing this game and I was like I had to leave for work and I was really bummed about it I was like I should if I didn't go on that European vacation I might have considered just like taking a day off a vacation day to just play this game all day um because i was at work and i was just like it's one of those things like you're thinking about like the same thing with the high republic book i read the other day the the cataclysm book like you're you're not actively reading it you're somewhere else and you're still thinking about the book or the story and then and i was thinking about this game in my head all day long i haven't played it since i've been busy but it's just like damn it i just want to go home and play this game and that's that's always a great sign that that the game is a kick-ass game. That is quality, that they've taken their time. I was happy to see that they took the six weeks of extra time that they needed to iron out the bugs, to polish the game a lot more, um, because you only can make a first impression once, right? So, you know, you don't want to be a Cyberpunk 2077 where nope. <laughs> people play the game for 30 minutes like me, and then they still haven't played it almost three years later because they're still improving the game you know oh so yeah that's great that, that's, to see that that's good oh yeah that that's
1: really good because you see that happen i mean like you said cyberpunk people have haven't played it since you you haven't heard anybody talk about it since and it's just like okay
0: yeah I, i'm just waiting for the expansion because i know once the expansion is out uh, later this year then the game they said will be complete then, basically. Mm. So that I'm waiting for all those features to get thrown in into the, the the normal game, the expansion, and then I'll play it. But up until this time, up until that time, y- you'll probably see me have played f- through this game probably four times at that point because that was the record. I played through Fallen Order four times: once on Jedi Knight, then on Jedi Master, then on Grand Master Jedi. Then I think I played it just again just for the hell of it on on another plus difficulty so now you can play through it with a different like player skin or something you can just yeah. do all kinds of alternates well that's <laughs> what i'm gonna do is like oh my gosh and and, and i gotta mention it. so so when you're with a, a companion and by the way you're gonna have multiple companions i just seen there's um moments where you have like team up actions to like for like an enemy finisher so there was a KX security droid, you know, the ones that look like K2SO. Took him down to a certain amount of health, and it automatically like triggered this like synced up dynamic animation where you see like the behind-the-back shot of Bode Akuna like with his jetpack, like firing his blasters like Django Fed. Then you like zoom in on Cal, who just like slices the entire droid down the center in half. And it's like this like little like five-second like like Avengers type of team up thing you'd see in the movies. Mm -hmm. And it just that extra little bit of flair is just, it goes such a long way with those little tidbits of, of, of extra, you know, that just really helped like cement this game. Like this is a huge triple A game. No doubt about it. The, The amount of rendering, the amount of little dynamic detail in every one of these environments, it's just crazy. I was watching uh, by one friend, uh, Eric Struthers, uh His Twitch handle is like Mouse Rat Something. And he, uh, <laughs> he was streaming like the game for like close to two hours. And I don't even think he got off of Coruscant yet because he's like talking to his stream people, like, hey guys, you might get bored, but I'm going to be looking at every little detail at every one of these <laughs> levels. And I was like, dude, I'm so with you. I was like, I do the same thing. Like I'm taking my time, just like looking. Like I, I, I was writing that senator's yacht, and I was looking back, and I'm like, oh my gosh! I think that he is. He has a skull of like a Kalish on his trophy wall. It's like the same species as Grievous, you know. Like there's like yep. a bunch of skulls on the wall. I'm like, oh my gosh! I re- recognize that alien species, and that's so. It's like those little stupid things. I'm like, oh my. This is why this game is going to take me like 40 hours. And again, I have no idea even how long this game is going to take. The first game was like, I can get through it in like maybe 16 hours or something like that. I feel like this game at the rate it's going, especially with Kobo, probably closer to 30. Maybe I would love it if the game was like 40 hours long. I, I really yeah. hope that it's a longer game because I really want to sink my teeth into it as much as I can. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think we've been going on a long time. <laughs> and I do need to get sleep because I have a big day tomorrow. Uh, let's see, we've been going on for almost two and a half hours. Um, hey, there we go. <laughs> so I think that's uh, I think it's a good time to call it. But I want to thank everybody for joining us in the chat. We had Chris, we had Aaron, we had Dark Nerdy Gonzo. Thanks, everybody. Uh, Milton will be back. Uh, most likely next week, and we'll be most likely back at 9pm Eastern. I know Dark Nerdy Gonzo was getting a kick out of it because he says he's more of a vampire, so this is kind of his style to to watch something this late at night. You know, it's a out of transmission after dark, if you will. And uh yep. <laughs> I, I, I like to think we did okay. Um You know, especially as I started talking about Jedi Survivor, I pepped up a little bit. I was yawning quite a bit during The Mandalorian stuff. I was trying to hold it back as much as I could with less than five hours of sleep playing this darn game but you know it was worth it it was worth playing this game on launch day i'm happy about it um and i hope you guys uh have the fortune to be able to play it as well and uh let us know in the comment section down below on twitter if you are playing jedi survivor what you thought about what you think about mandalorian all that good stuff we want to hear it down there in the comment section down below hey ben what are you going to be up to? What are you going to be talking about? Where can people uh, see you talking about different things? Yeah, you can
1: find me on Twitter at Maynard. I'm always on there talking about fitness and Star Wars. Those are pretty much my two main things right now. So you can find me there. And then you can find me on Instagram where I'm documenting all of my workouts. I'm back on the Instagram grind of posting all my workouts and diet updates because I'm just going through a phase of, Getting super lean again—it's gonna take a few more months. Still, obviously, it's gonna take probably until this fall, probably until my birthday. So we'll see that over this coming, um, yeah, over these coming months. It'll be a lot of fun doing that. You can find me at Real Ben Maynard on Instagram as well, and uh, and then with with Milton. Um, Milton posts he like on his Twitter he'll always like he'll post some Star Wars memes or some sports memes he's always on there you can find him at Milton Weber seven and then on Instagram he's more active he'll post his workouts he'll post his meal prep he always does really cool meal preps on Sundays and you can find his Instagram at Milton the number seven and then Weber.
0: There you go, you can find me on Twitter at Star Raptor. Probably just posting a bunch of screenshots of Cal Kestis and Survivor <laughs> and just gloating about this darn game that I love so much already. So, um, oh, and by the way, I gotta shout this out I have an entire playlist for Star Wars Celebration. I have four videos up, they range from a cosplay video to a vlog to a panel the entire panel uh you know bounty hunters smugglers and gangsters that gal- the scum and villainy through the years uh, excuse me that is on there entirely i also have my euro trip 2023 so if you're interested to see where else i went over that long two-week break uh, i went to amsterdam and i went to berlin as well so and, and a lot of london stuff with the underground and different uh, historical sites and whatnot. So go ahead. I would love for you guys to check that out as well. That's on youtube.com StarRaptor. As I said, you can find us on any podcast streaming service of your choice, whether it be Spotify, Apple, or Google, or Amazon, or whatever ones are out there. Uh, we put those up on every Monday. So you can also listen to us if you're at the gym or driving to work. And we go live every Friday at 9 o'clock p.m. Eastern time so for milton for ben for i chris aka star Raptor. thank you guys for watching have a great day may the force be with you always for light and light outer rim transmission out good night everybody